0: Boobers, welcome to the wackity-schmackity world of Sega and Sonic and his wacky pals. <laughs> <laughs> this is the podcast where we do Sonic the Comic, a British comic that came out many decades ago, and this time we are on issue number 40. 9 which it says came out on the 14th of april 1995 but chris has got the real numbers it was
1: released on
0: april 1st dave should we tell them who we are we're the humans who think that they're in charge i'm the one called dave bulmer
1: and i'm the one called chris mcfeely no fooling because certainly this <laughs> issue doesn't make any efforts to do any april fool stuff no nope, there's none of that but i guess that's because they seem to anytime they ever do that mm. they always seem to be taking their own cover data i suppose not everybody was like us, Dave. Not everybody kicked the front door off its hinges to run out and buy this on the day that it came out, <laughs> did they? Yeah, maybe people could have got it at any time over the following two weeks, yeah. so they don't always uh, lean on stuff like that. <laughs> mm. We may not be fooled, but we will be hooked by Captain Plunder and his oh. Sky Pirates. The cover tells oh, us.
0: yeah that's right because the cover is a big picture of captain plunder drawn by nigel kitching and he's raging he's attached to the wall by those chains in the dungeon because remember he's in a dungeon folks captain plunder and hey i guess it's probably not very often that we've had a cover dominated by an original character do not steal that's exactly what i was thinking it's Uh? it's so almost
1: ridiculous to me that Captain Plunder got the cover on this. It, it's... A little bit, yeah. We love him, mind. Cheeky, almost. I would love Captain Plunder, but there's a, there's a level of cheek at work here. I mean, every strip gets the cover at some point or another, yeah. but only totally right i don't know man even then <laughs> you know short, short no short few, no yeah short fuse got the cover just the issue before last didn't he yeah so that that does come oh you're
0: right yeah the terminator style one okay yeah yeah, but yeah. robotnik was on
1: it so it balanced it out. that's true there's nobody else on this cover at all if there's a weirdness about it it's the thing that up until now up until this strip started running, Captain Plunder's always been a sort of original character with asterisk. We've always yeah. sort of considered him as the number four, like, outside the top three of Grimer, views in Techno. And it turns out, he got a strip <laughs> before Techno even existed, and he yeah, stole the cover true. and everything. Who knew?
0: <laughs> well done, Captain Plunder. And, and honestly, what, of course, what it means to us, I'd say then as now, is just lots of Nigel Kitchen going on in this issue, and we're all
1: happy with that. I'll be happier when I realize that I've got the wrong mic on. Hold on. Still got that sort of, not really, but sort of looks like a drop-down menu thing going on in the top right corner this time. It's a good idea. I like it. Keep going. And this time they're able to offer us a Sonic Drift review, Shinobi, (laughs) and Tails all inside. Sonic Drift review.
0: Yeah. How exciting. No, yes, it is right that they should put that on the cover. We all know that it kind of doesn't matter. But uh, they're right to advertise any Sonic game review right there on the front. With the benefit of hindsight, we know it is. Yeah. And perhaps at the time, if we'd have gone, ooh, Sonic, oh, Game Gear, okay, oh, it doesn't game matter. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Game Gear, 8-bit heads. But that's just how it was. I don't know if it was back then. Was to me. Back I then, care. I always felt
1: like I wanted a Game Gear. Never
0: oh, yeah. Anyone, but, but Oh, I totally wanted a Game Gear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I wanted the dream of a Game Gear, you know? I wanted a... <laughs> A little Mega Drive that you can carry yeah, around. Yeah, you
1: right? wanted the Game Gear that existed only in your mind's eye. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. If the screen had been a bit better,
1: you know. Zone. It's that time of year, Megadroid says, when a young Hume's fancy turns to the UK's official Sega comic. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> That's uh, just because it's springtime now, right? That's right. That's when yeah. they say a young man's fancy turns to. What does it turn to in spring? It's Tennyson,
0: and what it turns, it lightly turns to thoughts of love. Ah. But I didn't know that. I looked it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know the... I I just know the idea that spring is when a young man's fancy turns to... uh... I I knew the, the gist of it. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was smushing, yeah, but I couldn't <laughs> remember the, the exact quote. Quite right, too, Megadroid says this issue sees. Well, he's just listing the contents yep, in the. We've got Sonic, Shinobi, Tails, Shaken Mac time for Tails.
0: Shaken Mac time? They're trying so hard to come up with coat jokes. I know, right? They are so focused on this coat. It's because they've identified that the fact that Tails is wearing a coat is the most memorable thing about the new strip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. And uh, Captain Plunder, all's far from ship shape. Fully half the welcome screen is given over to the far more exciting... Well, I don't know about far more exciting. There's lots of exciting stuff happening in this issue, but... Question, Dave. Dave, Hi. I say, I say, I say, Mr. Yeah. Boomer. Yeah. What's 50 covered in tattoos and never looked better?
0: <laughs> is it the Humes who think they're in charge?
1: No, they're definitely not wearing well. Well, it's your super sega station STC, of course, Chris. That's what it is prepare for gold in a fortnight with our clucking good easter issue
0: <laughs> it's cl- it is the clucking good issue yeah. Actually, we're gonna have a clucking good episode for you
1: as well yeah it's their 50th golden edition mm-hmm. and that well. uh, that is not a term they use lightly as we well uh, remember <laughs> but more on that in a fortnight's time down the middle we've got the sony diagnosis compo results much quicker off the mark with these than the batch of results we've been seeing from like the summer special <laughs> yeah even though we're like a good chunk into the following year now yeah this is only about six issues ago this one
0: mersey mania gripped the office as wannabe Liverbird sent in entries for the competition winner
1: vip day in liverpool remember i was
0: complaining that it would just be a man showing around his office
2: yeah
1: i remember very well and i'm sure it was i'm just focused on how focused they are on <laughs> liverpool it's just uh, it's so like you've just casually read that off without feeling yep. the need to explain to the international listeners oh, what true mersey mania might refer to or what a wannabe liver bird is. oh
0: you're right okay so mersey that's the river in liverpool right yeah. the mersey the liver birds are these two statues of bird i think they're two on the top of two buildings in liverpool it's like, like the symbol of the city isn't it? yeah it's a,
1: it's a mythical creature apparently i read on wikipedia A liver bird. Are they already called liver birds?
0: Oh, gosh. Well, you only ever hear it in reference to either the city or the sitcom. Or the
1: sitcom, The Liver Birds, yes. Who were women from Liverpool. Do you get it? Do you get it? I don't think you call people from Liverpool liver birds the way they felt like they've. It feels like they've used the word here. I know, but
0: yeah. That was literally just a joke in the name of that one sitcom.
1: Um, Yep, because they were birds or women, as they're colloquially known, (laughs) from (laughs) Liverpool (laughs) in the
0: modern parlance. (laughs) Yes, I lived in Liverpool for three years, and I can't swear that I saw the Liverbirds at any time. I'm speaking about the statues on the buildings, not the sitcom, which I also didn't see. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think you have to be on a boat. I think they're the first thing you see as you arrive on a uh, a boat. but I don't even know if that's true. I know roughly where they are, I just never bothered going down that end of things because the only thing you do there is get your passport renewed in emergency. And I didn't have one, so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One for the spreadsheet. The prize-winning mm. entrants who gave the correct answers were plucked from a cobweb-laden pair of Kenny Glacier shorts. Uh, ask your bummer dad. That's a uh, sportsman, yes. He was a player for Liverpool, yes. Player manager yes. for Liverpool. And then they'd give us the grand prize and second prize winners and then a Laura, Laura runners-up hey! in the bottom. Because, you see, Scylla Black was a TV presenter from Liverpool. Yes. And that was her catchphrase. Yes, yes. Laura, Laura. It means yes. a lot or you see. A when lot spoke, of. when spoken in the regional many. dialect of the Scots.
0: Yes. And they they once again remind us what the actual prize here is. So the winner plus a friend slash parent, and that's a slash again. They're still going with you. Can just yeah, take yeah. Your eight. two kids, just shipped off on a bus to Liverpool. Yep, will be treated to an all expenses paid VIP day at Sony Sony's headquarters in Liverpool. You'll get to see how games are made. You'll get to meet the meet the the You'll get to meet the meet the You'll get to meet the meet the meet You'll get to meet the meet the meet You'll get to meet the makers of that great adventure game Flink, that great adventure game we all remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've forgotten it already, and it's only been seven (laughs)
0: You'll also be given lunch refreshments, a goodie bag, and a special copy of Flink. Or just, if you're a second prize winner, a copy of Flink. There you go. Congratulations to
1: everybody who got that stuff well they says they're going to get a special copy of flink so presumably signed or something
0: oh it might even be one of those gold ones like the pugsy yeah yeah Yeah, you might get an inflatable pugsy to go with it i mean you chances are you'll get an inflatable pugsy to go with it to be honest because i'm (laughs) sure they had a few
1: left over (laughs) well i'm sure that's in the goodie bag yeah (laughs) yeah yeah the winner was b tucker from Reading in berkshire and b tucker if you're out there in the name of god please get in touch and tell us what your day was like Oh, we live in hope. I feel like it's been too long since we've been able to find somebody who had a letter or a picture. Printed. Yeah, I know. Who we need boomers to the, yeah. on air to read their letters out and tell us Get in touch with us, boomers. We, we know again. you're out yeah. there somewhere.
0: We know that you're cringing and embarrassed, but we don't care about that and we want you to just overcome it.
1: <laughs> Please come and share it with we'll us. We'll help
0: you. Yeah. So congratulations <laughs> to all of those and watch out for further Megatastic. That is the quote. Competitions in future issues of STC. This is the first time I think that they've, instead of listing the full names, they've gone A. Atkins, G. Aris, C. Bell. It's all first name as an initial, maybe because they thought, are we giving out too many children's identities in this publication? <laughs>
1: that or a space issue. One of the two, or perhaps it a might be a space both, issue. Yeah, yeah. we'll just um, keep an eye out for future competition results and see how they choose to go. Exactly.
0: The Sierra charts. Charts then. Our time is ending. There's only one Sonic game in the Mega Drive chart, and that's Sonic Knuckles, and that's a re-entry. It's all over Barber
1: Comics, Chris. Uh, don't say that, Dave. It's it's <laughs> re-entered at number four. Look yes. at that. How do you how do you boom re-enter at number I don't four? Know. It must have been yeah, a price happened? drop or something. Yeah, it must have been. But yeah. So it's just no just, do you, do you put such a grim spin on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's what it makes me feel sad. You know, we've had all the Sonic games now. All that they would ever make. I'm a fan <laughs> of Sonic 3D. But I know that I'm the only one, you know.
2: No, no,
1: I was a fan of it too.
0: Oh yeah. Oh well, we'll be able to talk about that when comes the time.
1: Countdown to Disaster, Part 1, written by Nigel Kitching with art by Richard Elson and letters by Ellie Deville. Sonic and Knuckles make their way to the lava reef zone beneath Robotnik's launch base, where the fully repaired Death Egg awaits delivery of a power source. Struck by a nasty thought, Knuckles leads Sonic to the Hidden Palace, resting place of the Chaos Emeralds, where the pair discover that the Master Emerald has been stolen. By Metallics, the Metal Sonic. Hey. Oh, uh, uh, how many more times uh, can oh. I say we're oh. in it now? We're
0: right in it. I'm I'm in it up to my chin. I'm, I'm gurgling in it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, this is great. Right.
1: Lava Reef. Death Egg. Egg Robos. Hidden palace, emerald chamber, super emeralds. It's everything. It's just following right on from the end of the previous issue where they escaped the sinking pyramid in the Sandopolis zone Mm. through a tunnel. They go through the tunnel into the lava reef zone just yes. like from the games. Yes. like in
0: the games. What's in the lava reef zone? It's the death egg. Just oh, like in the games.
1: The... And this this is like the best sort of illustration so far of that point I was making a while back about how they've misunderstood the visuals yes. of the Sonic and Knuckles title screen yeah. and draw the death egg as if the Robotnik face is on the bottom of it. it's actually the underside of the satellite it
0: even says in the script mm. the face on the underside on the it underside. says something about the base of the death egg being the face doesn't it
1: yeah now the title of this one though mm. I mean I've said countdown to disaster but it's not is it what do you mean it's count down to disaster there's a space yes. it's not it's not a word
0: yes it's two it's separate an, words it's an instruction yes
1: you countdown count down, down, to down to disaster, disaster. Nah. <laughs> yeah Oh, where to begin, then? Where to even begin?
0: Well, what's the first thing that happens? You see the Death Egg. So, yeah, I'm interested in the ways that that Nigel has truncated this story. And I think he's done it very deftly, Mm. and he's done it very well. And it leaves you going... What he's done is he's put together the launch base zone from Sonic 3, where Robotnik is... He's got his Death Egg all set up to launch. And then, in the game, it launches, and then it falls down onto the Volcano. Right? And then that's why its face is stuck in the lava restone. Nigel's gone. All right, here's what I'm doing. The volcano is like what is underneath the launch base. That's yep. just what's under it. The Death Egg is, is in that volcano from the start. Robotnik has, has put the construction equipment around that. Right? Is that right? Or am I forgetting yeah, yeah, no, important
2: no, no, things? I, I think yeah.
1: you're right. I mean, it always makes me wonder what would exactly have happened if the games hadn't been split into. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like the Death Egg only launches at the end of Sonic Three because it's yeah. the end of the game. Definitely, yeah, yeah, and, and then so, and then it immediately crashes again, and then the story is once again suddenly about yeah. having to get it powered up to take off. Yeah, so I
0: definitely think so, and I wonder if perhaps then the entire launch base zone only exists as a little sticking plaster over it,
1: or maybe it was moved from. Yeah, oh the yeah, Sonic there he goes to there. Yeah, yeah. or we're not the end of Sonic and Knuckles, but
0: you know. There'll be people who know this. There'll be people on Sonic Retro who know.
1: This is, you know, I mean, we sit here and we go, gee, I wonder what. And there's usually an answer. (laughs) When it's the games, there's usually an answer. We just don't know it. We don't claim to know it. Don't even know what to Google to find it out. Who gives a shit about Sonic? We're (laughs) here for Sonic the Comic. (laughs) (laughs) Video games. Video games were a mistake.
0: Well, anyway, yeah, so Nigel has gone, all right, what it is is. If you're walking about in tunnels, if you're Knuckles and you know all the secrets of the island, then you know there are tunnels under that general region. And they, yes, they lead to this sort of basically the basin of a volcano. And when they get there, they look up and there's the face of the death egg. Ooh, another full page splash. In which Knuckles says out loud, I don't believe it. Robotnik has the death egg sitting right on top of the volcano. Which, interestingly, again, we've got the script to this one and that's not said in it. That's not established in it that's something that's been added i don't know if i'm saying this for the podcast or just to bring up for you like yeah, isn't that true. interesting that's the point at which it's actually said out loud what's happening
1: yeah sometimes the, i don't know I guess the editor just wanted the dialogue to communicate what the visuals mm. were also showing yes but it's something about it something about
0: saying it out loud i agree with because it it makes you go okay that's what it is the launch base is up there the lava reef is down here Okay. <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah. I don't know why it helps me. Because you can see it. It's a
1: full-page picture. Really good page picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm. This is one of those images yeah. that's just in everyone's minds. Mm. I mean, we've, we've talked before, joked before, about how the Sonic & Knuckles adaptation is the apex. It's the thing that's remembered by people who haven't thought about the comic and whatever. And this is one of those just iconic images associated yeah. with this storyline, because
2: like, there it is.
1: I mean we had the day of the death egg, but isn't this essentially the first real-time mm. appearance of the death egg face? Yes, in, the first in a,
0: non-holodeck yeah. appearance of the death egg face. And there they are looking up at it. And what Richard has done here is, okay, he's done a really cool little trick, which is that, so we are, essentially, the camera is down in the lava, and we're looking up past Sonic and Knuckles, who are looking up at the ceiling, and dominating the picture is this giant death egg face. So... What Rich has done is he's used the lighting of the lava to make the circle eyes cast their own shadow back against the shape of the Death Egg, which gives it this scarier, like, torch-under-the-face, evil eyebrowsy sort of a look to it that makes it really dramatic. And, of course, it's shining. So the eyes are sort of lit up, but it's just the reflection of the lava. It's flipping
1: brilliant. Oh, right, it's just... Iconic what else can I say yeah yeah then egg robos come spilling out of it and Mm. I don't know about you but I always thought of these guys as kind of a big deal uh, when they were first revealed because they look like little robot robotniks that's right yeah no, 100%. What, what, why is
0: there even a question? They were, yeah, they're the, they're, the, they're the metal Sonic of non-metal Sonic badniks.
1: <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> they're metal Robotnik. So they're like little metal people and not animals, you know, so they got that going for them as well. And Kitching puts a great spin on the idea here. They are essentially robot avatars for yes. Robotnik. Their eyes are cameras and he can see them and control them from his mm. control room in the Death Egg. And that's just... I mean, that's just... That's just fabulous stuff. What a great way
0: to excuse their existence. Because like in... So in Sonic 3 and Knuckles, what happens is, yes, the Death Egg launches and you see them all coming out of it as you're up in the Sky Sanctuary Zone. You see the Egg Robos coming out of the Death Egg and then they populate the level. And it's the first time we've had, really, a Badnik that isn't a little snail or crab or something. It's a man and it does represent a raising of the stakes. And it does represent, essentially, a colonization, a takeover of the planet. It's happening. It's working. That works in a game, in a visual, like, yeah, this one's bigger. How do you make that worth doing in a story? This is how. They are his little drones. They are his, you know, Iron Man suits that doesn't have to sit Yeah, and he can to speak sit
1: in. through them, too. His voice comes out. Not just really? ordinary badniks, you simpleton. Oh. Mm, that's good shit.
0: and by the way rich takes a bit of artistic license here and he gives it little angry eyebrows little angry
1: eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love these guys oh egg robos yeah oh, they're, they're great. sort of like the prototype of almost all generic egg man robots well now, this is they? the thing this is the thing as we
0: sit here now, they've been deadened a little bit because in Sonic 3 and Knuckles, if you take that as, like, the finale of the Sonic series, they're the perfect thing to end on. They are this moment where the Badniks step up to be these guys. And then, yes, the trouble is, after that, it was all little guys. It was all drones and e-gammas and things like that.
1: They're all little men.
0: yeah. But if you had to have another game, if you imagine you were in the Mega Drive era, imagine if Sonic 3 and Knuckles was a finale, but yeah, actually you do it you know, it's Toy Story 4 time. You do have to have a fourth <laughs> one. What Sonic Mania did is quite clever in that mode of thinking. Yeah, it? it takes that's Egg right, Robos yeah, yeah. and makes them into a sinister 6 and it's Evolves like great. them. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm, that's a good thought. Never even yeah, never even put that together like that.
0: That's kind of how I think that the thinking was there. Um yeah. But here we are, back at the time when these are the biggest, baddest badnicks to ever exist, except the one that's about. Never mind.
1: (laughs) More than that, yeah, they're not really the final (laughs) boss. Sonic starts smashing them, but Knuckles instead drowns them in lava. Though I don't mm. know that Elson quite got the script's intention with this one. Because mm-hmm. uh, the idea is that there's like a basin yes, I know, yeah. in the rocks, and Knuckles smashes it open in the lava. Where the lava has it. collected, yeah. But he's wound up just sort of drawing an isolated rock bowl of lava just sitting in the middle of the floor <laughs> instead of... You know, instead of the lava having flowed into a catchment area or anything within the (laughs) caldera, you know? Yeah. I remember thinking that even back then. I was like... What's that? Why is there just a bowl
0: of lava? Who made a bowl of out of a rock, yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. But then they just, basically, without really bothering to explain it and hey neither does the game they're just sort of in the hidden palace area then they just sort of run along
1: they just run to it knuckles heads off in the other direction sonic follows where are we this is the hidden palace in ancient times the royal family ruled the floating island from here and they see a door kicked off its hinges it's the Emerald Chamber, I'm afraid.
0: Oh my God! I've just noticed something I don't think I've ever seen before in my life. I was
1: gonna ask you if you <laughs> saw it because it is so completely covered by the speech bubble. Yes, I certainly had never noticed it before my reading wow. of it this time. Yes, it's the mural from the, the mural. Hidden palace level in Sonic and Knuckles. It's where, right uh, there where we see like the, the predictive, I guess. You know, the, I never, I didn't never really the prophecy, you, the prophecy of Supersonic in the Doomsday Zone. Yes, but it is unfortunately almost oh my- in entirely Ooh. covered by a speech bubble from knuckles
0: oh that's such a shame i think most of the page has been sold now so to see that we'll have to find out who's got it yeah now there's a decent chance it's someone that we know because a lot of the sort of the you know the key stc fans have an online presence and they're the people who bought these so if if you are listening show us this bit photograph this bit for us please we just want to see how he drew
1: it it's a <laughs> shame that that couldn't have been folded into the story in some capacity, but to be honest, I don't think anybody really understood that that's what that was Mm. back in the day. I know I never heard anybody talk about the idea of it being a prophecy until I was on the internet many, many, many years later.
0: No, that's it. I mean, like, as a player, I figured it out on playthrough, I don't know, 5 to 10 or something. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I incorporated it into the script that Sonic was saying by pressing the up button to make his head wiggle up and down. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it, it was never addressed in any comic as far as I'm aware.
1: Yeah, it's like, I think you've said it uh, somewhere before, if not on this podcast, maybe even just on a, on a podcast or a stream of your own, where it's the Maybe first... just talking him asleep? Yeah. <laughs> it's the first big really genuine act of like narrative mm. in a sonic video game where you're not just running left to right there is a little bit of story being communicated there versus uh, beyond here's the body actually you're right this is worth bringing
0: up because this is a key moment in the storytelling of sonic so in the game what happens here is you've got a whole two games that are mostly just platforming and playing a game. And then you get here and a cutscene starts. Yeah. Not really for the first time, but for the first time in earnest, here is some story. And what happens is, you end up in the Emerald Chamber where the Super Emeralds are. You've been there before, but only ever through a ring. You've teleported there. Now you've come the long way around. You've actually journeyed through the mountain and you've ended up in this chamber and there you are. And Knuckles is there. And he fights you. Yeah, you have a bit of a bash about. And then, you defeat him and it's kind of sad, and I always feel sorry for him. <laughs> and then, further do I feel sorry for him, as he turns around to see that Dr. Robotnik, this is in the game, mind you, Dr. Robotnik is bobbing along in his legomatic, and he's got a claw arm, and he picks up the Master Emerald, he rips it out of its moorings, little bits of crystal rain down, Knuckles is going, get off, get off, he's shaking his little fist, he jumps up, this is all cutscene, he jumps up, grabs the Master Emerald, and Robotnik electrocutes him, and you see his little skeleton, and he falls off, basically like, is he dead? He's not dead, he recovers, but the ground has fallen through, you're down in this hole, and Knuckles turns to you, and he goes, come on, And he waves his little hand. There's no voice. He just waves his little hand. Mm. And he leads you to a teleporter that takes you up to the sky sanctuary, a very ancient-looking, magic-looking place in the sky where all the echidnas used to something, something, something. And that's where we see the Death Egg launch and the Egg Robos. And that's how you get to the Death Egg to get him, to defeat Mm. Robotnik. Here we've got a different take on that same story, but that communicates a lot of the same
1: stuff. At the time, I don't think, like, we as kids... Really recognized that Knuckles hadn't copped on to the fact Robotnik was a badn by the end of Sonic Three. Yeah, you had it's to. Like yeah. It was always sort of sold to us that he was eventually going to realize Robotnik. Mm. It was the well, it was the very fact that Sonic and Knuckles was then released exactly. as its own game, and we were allowed to play as Knuckles. So they're both good guys. When technically notionally within the narrative air quotes of the game he was still a bad and he was still technically robotnik allied technically well i mean don't they say something that's knuckles's version like comes after this is an egg Uh, people have figured
0: that out but i don't know i
1: don't yeah it doesn't seem
0: anyway it doesn't matter anyway The evidence for Knuckles' playthrough in Sonic 3 & Knuckles coming after Sonic's comes in the form of various background details, such as the Death Egg not being in the background of levels that it's in the background of during Sonic's playthrough, and the top of the background art for the Angel Island Zone showing an ocean horizon in Sonic's playthrough and empty sky for Knuckles, implying the island has risen from the ocean as it does at the end of the game. This evidence is fairly compelling, given a couple of assumptions. Assumption one, the Knuckles playthrough is supposed to be considered a canon part of the story of the game. Assumption two, the production team had a unified opinion of what the story of the game was or should be at all. Now on this podcast we think the story in Sonic 3 & Knuckles matters, but in this case it's not about what the game ended up like, and more about the attitude of its production staff and whether that attitude meant that they would strive to create a proper continuity even across various gameplay modes. Is two player balloon park canon, for instance? Assumption three, when background details are changed it's for story reasons, rather than reasons of practicality, or of someone going, well I suppose there's a contradiction here if Knuckles is apparently aiming to do all the same things as Sonic so let's take away that death egg stuff and make it that he's trying to stop a robot from doing bad things on the island instead, and then nobody has to worry about the story. Assumption four, that each character's story, if it matters that they happened at all, happened in their entirety, one after the other, rather than at roughly the same time but just while not really interacting. The starting point for a common argument in favor of the theory is that if you finish the game with all the Chaos Emeralds, but not with all the Super Emeralds, then the ending screen shows an Egg Robo coming to life with an air of, I'll get you next time. And this is assumed to be the one who replaces Robotnik in Knuckles' playthrough as the robot causing mischief. As a kid, I always thought that the reason why Knuckles was fighting an Egg Robo rather than Robotnik was because Robotnik was keeping up the illusion that he was Knuckles' friend, which would imply that this would all take place at about the same time, but I'm in a minority there. All in all, the theory makes general sense and is probably about right, but given that it seems to be understood to follow on from Sonic not getting the best ending, it has a whiff of Zelda timeline about it, which makes me want to discard it as a lot of back Ultimately, it's up to the individual observer.
1: So, obviously, the Sonic 3 adaptation within the comic was going to… Mm. End with Knuckles copping onto the fact Robotnik was a bad yeah. So it means that yeah, the events have to unfold slightly differently when they get around to doing the actual Sonic and Knuckles stuff. And obviously the writer hadn't played the game yet by that stage, so I'm not gonna hold it against them. You know, they weren't being told this stuff in advance. They just had to play the game and figure out how to fold it in. Yeah,
0: but I think it works really well. I think I think it's a total success because Oh, I agree. Here we have them, yeah, they're already working together, they enter this emerald chamber and the Master Emerald is gone. Mm. And so you still have Knuckles having that shock of the Master Emerald has been taken. But in this version it's it's not because he was allied with the bonding. it's because he just I don't know, he just thought it wouldn't be.
1: <laughs> no this is our first mention of the Master Emerald. That's right. Within the comic, which is a little weird because we've never heard of it before and everybody's just suddenly talking about it like it's a thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, he never actually says what it is, does he? Well he kind
1: of yeah. does. If you assume that by hearing the phrase
0: the master instead of the Master Emerald, it's oh no, the Master Emerald is gone. Like the yeah. the,
1: the key emerald is gone. Well, as it turns out from the script <laughs> yeah, Kitching was thinking about this this is fascinating,
0: this, this is, is fascinating. something we and particularly Chris has yes. been bringing up over and over again and we have
1: our answer Yes, it turns out from the script Kitching intended he had obviously played this level and yeah. was able to provide Elson with the visual reference but from the script we know purely to preserve continuity with mm-hmm. the larger Sonic the Comic universe, he said they should make the Master Emerald the grey emerald grey, because emerald. it was the control emerald in the classic sega backstory of america and it had previously not so very long ago at all at the end of the sonic 3 adaptation been portrayed as the control emerald mm-hmm. and uh, in keeping with that yeah that was that was the plan uh they didn't go through with it said
0: that would have changed so much about this podcast like we would have had totally different things to say because that would have totally satisfied us continuity wise we would have loved that but also, we would have been having to grapple with the fact that it's wrong.
1: Yes, exactly. So I understand and appreciate the need hmm. to change it, but I mourn the loss of the continuity. Yeah. It's, it's like the two halves of my being are torn in twin on this issue. I know,
0: exactly. Here's my quick fix, right? You make it so that it's green after what happens to it at the end of this issue, for some
1: magic reason. <laughs> a wizard did it a wizard robot did it <laughs> No, it, as you say it's missing in this panel where they come in we see yes. it by the end of the strip and it is, it's is—it's the green emerald as it ap- appeared to be but this panel does appear to be drawn and coloured by mm. Elson from the position that um, well no I should probably correct that because obviously in the game itself the master emerald is an additional emerald it, it's an eighth mm. emerald yeah. uh, versus the seventh so it's green And there's also a green emerald. Yes. But the position Sonic the comic takes, and will always take, is that the Master Emerald is simply the green emerald. After this, whenever they get everything in order, the Mm -hmm. Master Emerald is simply the green emerald. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Kitching's intention was obviously to make it the grey emerald because it was one of the seven emeralds we already knew. But they had to change it to the green one so that it all fitted. So it was all a bit meh, but never mind. But this panel, anyway, my point is, Mm -hmm. the six emeralds are here, and they're... Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. They're, yes. they're the, six, the six emerald colours. Well, uh, the purple one isn't really visible. There's a tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny sliver hidden by a it's speech like bubble two and it could be grey or it could be purple, to be honest. But the fact is, the green emerald is right there anyway. So
0: Yeah, I've got my light shining right on the print copy here and it looks purple
1: to me but then so could grey in print. If yeah, exactly. It, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's just interesting that this panel was drawn from this uh, angle but it did not payoff no year. it's a shame. it's nice to know that level of thought went into it but uh you wonder who said no
0: you do yeah, yeah. and at what point yeah another interesting thing about it so this is the Correct if I'm wrong. First reveal of the Super Emeralds, as, as yes, I would Yes, we haven't seen them before. Them for for the Sonic
1: Superman. Observes, they've gotten big. Yes, and, uh, Knuckles says that's how they're meant to look. When you had them, they'd become drained of most of their power.
0: Yeah, and in order to show that the Master Emerald is missing, Rich has drawn the plinth that it sits in, or a version of mm-hmm. it, with a big hole in where the Master Emerald could sit. But the rest are just flying there. They're not in their sort of leafy pedestal things. They're just mm. flying there, which is, you know, in keeping with previous shots of the chaos emeralds together yep. they always fly
1: uh, i think of the chaos emeralds as something that is able to levitate and mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're generally depicted like that in the games today
0: maybe what well, uh yeah are they because i my memory sort of falls off at a certain point so i remember them in their pedestals in sonic 3 and knuckles on the top of pillars in sonic adventure and then after that i don't know i think i don't mm. i don't know if we ever see them just hanging out they're very that. big into spinning around in a circle yeah they bring out their hand and they they Emerald appears above their hand and then they do a big wanky motion with the other hand. Yeah, that sort of thing. Remember that bit? Sonic and Shadow uh, stood there like this uh, as they turn super at the end of Adventure 2. Fantastic moment. Brilliant bit of direction. Well done.
1: But Sonic wonders what he needs the Emerald for, and uh...
0: oh, I do like. By the way, I do like Sonic's line here. Let's hear it for Knuckles, fearless guardian of the Chaos Emeralds, because once again they've been nicked.
1: <laughs> He's not very good, is he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poor old Knuckles.
1: Oh, I do feel sorry for him. He tries his best, doesn't he? And it's not good enough. <laughs> fearless guardian of the Chaos Emeralds. In about in a theme park for the last <laughs> month yeah well the master emerald and knuckles goes and here's another bit of stc
0: law which is also i think in keeping with the game but mm. you don't understand without the master emerald the floating island will crash back down to mobius in a few hours so nigel's giving it a few hours it's not going to be just like you pluck yeah, it out it's and just not, it's not
1: an off switch
0: yeah it's gonna go well down. it's
1: in keeping with the you're talking about when he smashed the carnival night zone off the island and mm. it took a little moment for the emerald power to fade out of it (laughs) and then fall. So it's in keeping with that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we cut back to Robotnik who's just gloating. Nothing can go wrong this time. I love this panel here. He's just like, whoa, I'm going to get the emerald. Yeah, I'm going to become unstoppable, unstoppable. And then he's doing... And then there's this wonderful panel where it is like he's looking out of the camera at the audience, threatening us directly. (laughs) I'll make those emerald hill folks suffer like never before. I'll grind Sonic into... And it is like he's... And then you're next, readers. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um,
0: Then we get a bit where Robotnik just says something that... When I was reading, I was like,
1: What? And yeah, it's a weird little uh, editing move. Yeah. Uh, Grimer points out that the Emerald hasn't arrived yet. Rob Rodnik says, a minor detail, you fool. Even if Sonic stops my badnik before he takes the Emerald, it will make no difference, because he'll find himself facing the one badnik he can never hope to beat. But yes, uh, even if Sonic stops my badnik before he gets the emerald, it'll make no difference. And I'm like, well, no, if he stops him, it will make a difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, if he stops... What Robotnik says on this page is, if Sonic stops my badnik, he'll face a badnik. And like, yes. if we're talking about two different badniks, fine, but it's just a weird thing. If if he stops yeah, my I mean, badnik...
1: It's, it's not he'll nonsense. He'll be
0: facing the one badnik he can never hope to be. Yeah, no, it's not total nonsense.
1: It, it's not nonsense. He just What he means to say is, if Sonic... You know impedes the process of my badnik if Sonic yeah, I guess interrupts my badnik on its way. I but guess. That, that's not as we read from the script, that's not what Kitching wrote. Kitching wrote, even if Sonic gets to my badnik, um, yeah, yeah. So, this is just another one of those little careless editing uh, that's moves it. we have observed recently.
0: To me, it does change the meaning completely because when I say if Sonic stops my badnik, I read that as bops my bad, you know, destroys yeah, the yeah. badnik. And so, and then I'm like, "Oh, is he going to bring out another even bigger Badnik? In which case, what's the point of the first one?" And no, yeah, it's supposed to mean, if he stops him from doing the thing I want him to do, he'll be killed by
1: it. Anyway. And then it will do the thing. And then it'll do the that thing I wanted yeah. to do afterwards. Yeah, yeah, Quantity yeah. line. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's immaterial in the face of the page turn. Oh my! I gosh. remember where I was <laughs> when I turned <laughs> this page in 1995. I oh. was barely out of the shop. On the street down by the bus depot on a oh. Saturday afternoon. Oh! <gasps> Did you have any refreshers in your hand? Frosties, frosties. I always got to pack off frosties from oh, a really? particular shop. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Oh my god! Sonic and Knuckles spot a glow in the corner. And they turn to see the Master Emerald, and atop the Master Emerald, it's Metallics! Uh, But not the Metallics we remember. No, this is a new... I mean, I don't think I knew at the time yet that there was a new Metal Sonic at the end of Sonic and Knuckles. No, I don't think I did. But this is that. I think he's called Mecha Sonic, isn't he? Well... One of the various robots that's been called Mecha Sonic Exactly. We just come up with names for all these different Metal Sonics. But yes... it's probably in the Japanese. I'm sure world. it is. Yeah, you know how it be. But anyway, it's Metallics, the Metal Sonic. Sonic, it's him. Sonic says, oh. "Recognizes him," and he's getting a big power boost off the Emerald, like he does in the game. Yes, it's that bit. That's the, and it's a,
0: it's a slightly more than half page picture. Big shot of him powering up. He's just stood there going, Oh, he's not saying anything, but his eyes are glowing up. His fists are out. There's electric crackles all over the place. The master emerald is zapping and powering up. <gasps> Everything's green lit. Oh, it's so good. Mm. It's so cool. And by the way, contextually, this would have been in the era when I'm already... This is when the Thunder Zords came in. So this is the yep. mindset I'm already in. The thing. The robot. But bigger, but better, but more powerful. <laughs> now it's in the Sonic. replacement
1: 2.0. <gasps> oh, I love
0: it. The, basically, Ooh. what I'm saying is this was the point in my life where, with a laser focus, I have been introduced to the the Japanese entertainment concept of the next version of the robot.
2: <laughs>
0: and here it is, imported straight from the game. Presented to me by my own, like, the people who speak my language, by the British comics people. Yeah. Oh, my God. It could not have connected better.
1: Next issue, Heavy Metal. Yes. (laughs) I don't know, you know. What? Maybe it could just be because this is so all burned into my memory. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's better than last issue or not. It's hard to separate them at this point, you know. Last uh, issue was proper crops watered, skin cleared, all yeah. the stuff I want, sort of stuff. And this is all that too. And Metal Sonic's here. That's all it is. That's all. Yeah, I yeah. think I think yeah, I, yeah.
0: I don't know. Maybe maybe the previous issue is conceptually superior in some way, but this one's got the Death Egg, the Egg Robos, and the new Metallics. So the and the Alice, Chaos and the, the Super Emeralds. Emeralds and the Master Emerald. There's only one regret that I have about this issue. Just one. Just one. And it's that because of how much stuff was in it, that reveal of the Super Emeralds had to half happen instead of fully happen. It's done as a kind of of over-the-shoulder-of-the-Emeralds shot. There's only one fully in panel.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no big way yeah we never get to look see, up
0: at the emerald chamber and yeah. see it all laid out before us. but
1: then this is rooted in your belief that the super emeralds are in any way particularly different or more special than the chaos emeralds that's that and i've never yeah. thought of them as as being that well hey, well and now we see why yeah i, I you <laughs> know you could well be right could well just be because sonic the comic was very clear about them just being the same dang old thing and of course maybe it's all the the decades since of them just literally just, appearing in this way that's too.
0: just yeah. the chaos emeralds now yeah but even still i think now that we're in the home of the chaos emeralds for the first time and going forward in the comic we're gonna have loads of lovely establishing shots of oh that yeah that's
1: true yeah
0: um i would have liked something a bit bigger but whatever we get yeah, it yeah. we you're know right we, there you're right there we know we're going to get it and so fine that that's it that's my one regret and the thing is they look lovely what we can see of them for look at them Ooh. i like the mm. chaos emeralds they're so beautiful different colored jewels this is a primal thing and it goes back generations and generations and hundreds and oh, thousands yeah. of years but different colored jewels
1: are cool looking yeah collections of things that look the same but are different colors are good
0: yeah simple if i could if i had the money i would buy jewels because they look great <laughs>
1: You could buy fake jewels, little plastic ones. Yeah,
0: they don't look as good, do they? That's the thing. Maybe I'll save up. As we record this, the weather is just starting to pick up for the first time in the year, and like I still, when there's a sunny day, it feels like STC to me now. Still,
1: I know it's so silly, but yeah, like some of my fondest memories of a lovely, warm mm. summer. Yeah, no school, able mm. to sit out in the sun. Mm as I say, it's I think I said it way back at the time, but yeah, Sonic Terminator. Chapter yeah. four, wasn't it? Yeah. Chapter and verse. <laughs> yeah. The memory of a clear sky, sun splitting it, sitting out on the front step mm. reading Sonic the Comic. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And
0: even though we're not in the summer yet, I, this is one of those issues. No, I
1: mean this is the first of April, so we're still yeah, a little ways off. It, but anyway. it
0: must have just been a nice day. I mean it's a nice it can be a nice day on the 1st of April. Yeah,
1: you can have nice days and not during the summer. But yeah. Like,
0: we're recording it now on a really nice day and it's not even April yet.
1: Now, there's only so many ways to say that we are, as we keep saying, we're at the apex of the golden age here with this. And there is still oh. so many more thrills to come in the following issues. Metal Sonic Man on the next oh. issue again. The laser-focused memories I have of the next Oh, I know. I've, every oh.
0: single panel of it is in my head right in this moment. The fact that we we knew that the
1: next issue is going to be a metallic fight. Right. I remember where I was. I remember... But that is for next time. Review Zone! Yeah, review Zone! Another three-page review zone. Yes. They're expanding again. We've yeah. got uh, Asterix and the Power of the Gods for the Mega Drive reviewed by Nick Protz. We've got Mega Swiv uh, for the Mega Drive by Dave Gibbon, and we've got Sonic Drift by Jenny Fromer for the Game Gear, as we said. <laughs> yep play any of these? Nope. Asterix, eh? Nope. I was an Asterix fan, but I never played this. Having a look at it. We were kids who liked comics growing mm -hmm. up in the 90s in the UK, so I feel like it was law that we read Asterix. Very important, yeah. Can you put to death if you
0: didn't? My two big Asterix... My three big Asterix memories are,
1: number one... My two big Asterix (laughs) memories Ah, (laughs) are Asterix and... I can't remember the name of any Asterix books now that I'm trying to make a Spanish Inquisition, so we can just take that out. I don't know why we'd do that, Chris but you laughed, so that's all I (laughs) I (laughs) did.
0: Asterix memory number one. Asterix memory number three. I get my copy of a book called Asterix and the Magic Carpet. These days, I would only do this if I had two copies of Asterix and the Magic Carpet, and I don't think I did. But what I did was, having read through Asterix and the Magic Carpet, I tippexed out every speech balloon in that book and I started writing my own funny version. (laughs) Now, obviously, it wasn't as funny as the real version. I was gonna say, yeah, because Asterix books are funny. But Asterix was maybe, although it was funny, it was a little bit over my head a lot of the time. I was just doing a full-on parody one, they were burping, they were getting (laughs) things wrong, and that was funny. (laughs) Gotta dig this book out, I need to find it. Like, my memory is that I did quite a good job of making this quite funny, but we'll see anyway I bring it up you're reading me a fan fiction over on our Patreon that (laughs) That I thought was um, good at the time and all yeah. Yeah. yeah but the reason I bring it up Mm. I had a look at this one on uh, YouTube, and Asterix and the Power of the Gods appears to be a mashup of various Asterix books. Overall, oh, really? overall, it's Asterix and the Chieftain's Shield, and that was a guess. I don't know Asterix and the Chieftain's Shield. I've just seen in I've seen the you know other books available on the inside cover of enough Asterix yeah, books yeah. to know that that's the name of one of them, and this one is about retrieving a chieftain's shield. So I'm like, oh, is that what it is? I looked it up. Yes. The intro to the game actually quite faithfully recreates the first few pages of that comic, oh, there and you. it does it really well. And then he says here, "There's a, a magic carpet ride." He says in the review. So I was like, "Is that?" And I looked it up. Yes, it's the one from Asterix and the Magic Carpet, which I X. So yeah, this appears to be a globe trotting. And that's done by essentially different Asterix book trotting. Yeah. Asterix game, which looks oh, that's good like the sort of thing that conceptually I'm interested in. It's a puzzle platformer where you are jumping around on platforms and collecting fruit, but also you can walk into all the different houses in the town, talk to the different people out of Asterix. That's my jam. That feels like a, you know, park Asterix. It feels like being at a theme yeah. park. In game form.
1: I mean, it sounds like a dizzy. Yeah. It's got a puzzle element where you have to find things. I mean, it seems like the perfect game to make out of Asterix mm, as well. Yeah. Because we we you just you remember all the characters in the village because exactly. they were also distinctive.
0: But it doesn't look like a good game. I'm afraid it doesn't look no, very good. No,
1: oh, it's been reasonably well reviewed yes. here too.
0: Yes. Eighty three. It just looks a bit basic. It looks a bit like I I, I probably would have enjoyed it but the platform is literally just like... You see, there's a screenshot here of Asterix at the bottom of the page looking up at just a plank of wood. Well, yes. those planks of wood are basically what the platforms are. They're just planks of wood. Some of them aren't even held up by anything.
1: Oh, so there's no real, like, level design. No, just, it's just... They're just there. Oh, and all you're
0: doing up game there game is game. collecting those pears you can see in the tree. You're just yeah. collecting fruit. So the stuff where you go in and out of houses and, like, solve puzzles by talking to people and getting what they want, that's the real game. And that's then the game, And then they've yeah. padded it out with platform stuff, which I think the game kind of becomes more based on after you leave the initial village but i'm not sure i haven't looked into that deeply oh,
1: well. so yeah it's a it's one of those asterix is another one actually that i associate with summer oh aye. because i would always get the books uh from the library before we would have our summer holidays oh, cool and we would always go to the library and each of us would get a couple of books you know to read on, on the, the journey yeah. or in case we got bored you know in case we ran out of things to yeah. do while we were away from home and yet we would always get some Asterixes. oh that's such a good idea God, that's such a
0: good idea. My mum had a very good idea that was the equivalent of that, but it wasn't that. What she used to do was. Remember Popples? I remember Popples very well. I had the orange one. I had the green one. It <laughs> was called Putter Popple. <laughs> I don't know what mine was called. I only remember mine was called Putter Popple because that was similar to a boy's name in my class. He was called Putter. <laughs> no, he was called... putter smith He was called Sputter. <laughs> no. Uh, no, he was called <laughs> But anyway. <laughs> right. One day, a, a girl just walked up to me, and apropos of nothing, she said, This must be adapted from something else, so tell me if you had a version of this in Ireland. She said <laughs> was walking in the air, without his underpants, without his underwear. He went to the shop to buy another pair, and they didn't have any, so he had to go and bare. And then she just walked away. <laughs> Never anything as fancy as an Asterix book.
1: Well, these were just from the library, you know, puzzle books actually. A quiz. Oh, you have a quiz kid. Yeah, that would be the sort of thing that you might have bought a few of to whip out if we was getting restless. Mm-hmm. When the tapes have run out, you get your quiz kids. Yeah. We would always yeah get an audio book to listen to on the drive to the airport because it yeah. would be a couple of hours to the airport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any memorable ones? What were you listening to? I only remember Alice in Wonderland because we thought we'd got Alice in Wonderland, but we'd actually got the. Disney, Turn the Page, Book Alice in Wonderland, which was over in 15 minutes. Yes,
0: yes. But then you get the weird version of two of the songs at the end. You get a, a, a weird version of I'm Late at the end of that tape, which I have now sourced the vinyl for.
2: <laughs> and, okay, and well, i got a copy of that. in
0: my record don't. collection over there. Ah, it all
1: comes out. <laughs> I'm,
0: hello, everybody. I'm Dave, a sad
1: bastard. So anyway...
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Dave, you know what you are? You're a real mega-swiv.
0: <laughs> it's such a silly <laughs> name, isn't it?
1: Mega-swiv. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like something you would call somebody? I know. It sounds like a proper insult, like somebody in the buster would call the, somebody. Yes! Get a load of this, swiv.
0: This swiv, exactly. And Yeah, they're resisting using the phrase swiv on this, readers. And they never say it. Do you know why it's called that? Special Weapons Interdiction Vehicle. Is that what it is?
1: And where's that come from? Yes, I looked it up. (laughs) And where's that come from? Is that a real... No, I believe that was just what they called the game. Right. Because this was originally a big hit... On the
0: Amiga! Amiga, But that is a backronym. That's not why it's called SWIV. Oh, really?
1: Why is it called SWIV then?
0: Because, and this is honestly the weirdest thing. I only found this out fairly recently. Because it is Silkworm 4.
1: Ah, uh, yes, now I did read that, but there isn't a Silkworm 2 or 3. Isn't there? In the game's Amiga manual, it was explained that huh? SWIV was both an acronym for Special Weapons Interdiction Vehicle and also, short for, Silkworm 4, even though there was not a Silkworm 2 or 3. <laughs> what?! Is this one of yeah, those that, things uh, where there were in Japan or something? No, this game was made by, um, The Sales Curve? who were a British video game company? This is amazing to me. I
0: always assumed there was a Silkworm 2 and 3. So why is it Silkworm 4 Hang on. Maybe there
1: were other games. Just reading from Wikipedia here. The game was considered a spiritual successor to the techno Arcade game Silkworm, which Sales (laughs) Curve had previously converted to home computer formats. The game's heritage is evident from the game design, but it's not an official sequel, as noted by ex-Sales Curve producer Dan Marchant, who says, it wasn't really a sequel to Silkworm, but it was certainly inspired by it and several other shoot 'em ups we had played and loved
0: well then i'm i reckon i'm probably wrong then i think it probably is special weapons interdiction vehicle more than it is silkworm 4 because like what the hell this is i'm having yeah,
1: that's funny yeah
0: i'm having a mandela right now this is weird <laughs> you you were sure you knew yeah
1: because it's silkworm 4
0: that's like the bit of trivia oh that's interesting Oh, listen to this. The Amiga version's cheat mode can be activated by typing NCC1701D on the title screen. That is the license plate of the Starship Enterprise from
1: TNG. (laughs) Dork scum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Scum>. <laughs> this does look like great crack though I have to say oh, I'm yeah. not much for these because I'm rubbish at them mm-hmm. the old bullet hail plane flies forward and shoots thing but I looked this one up on YouTube yeah and you can be either a helicopter or a jeep mm-hmm. and you can have a two player mode where one player is the helicopter and the other player is the jeep and the difference with the jeep is that it can shoot in 360 whereas the helicopter can only shoot straight ahead as is you know the standard for those kinds of games and I'm sure I'd be rubbish at this one too but yeah, I thought it looked good and it's well-reviewed here too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've never been really into this kind of game so I never really bothered with it or played it but I'm convinced it's a good one and I'd probably quite enjoy it because it just famously is good. That's the Amiga version. I don't know what it's like on the Mega Drive. Couldn't say.
1: Yeah, this is an enhanced Mega Drive version of it so it's... Yeah. Yeah. Which includes a brand new level it says here so it's not just like they made another new Mm -hmm. Swift for Yes, because the name
0: Mega Swift implies that it's just the Mega Drive version of Swift doesn't it but... Yeah.
1: Uh, Well, I don't know. I mean, whenever you have like Metroid and Super Metroid, you know, I don't necessarily immediately assume that putting the name of the console in front of it means it's just the same game ported to that console. No, it can mean this console's special, unique, dedicated iteration of that. But uh, I'm reading here. That oh no hang on Swiv was popular enough to spawn a direct sequel for the Super NES called Super Swiv, which huh? was then later ported to the Mega Drive as Mega. Uh, Swiv. So there we go. Look at us learning in real time. There we go. Yep. And he ends it with G Swiv. It's Mega. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I didn't actually understand that until the way you said it there, because it, it's he's saying G whiz Yes. But, but i was like how did you read it gee Swift, right like As like if Swift was a person right <laughs> like holy whatever batman yeah yeah basically <laughs> then we got sonic
0: drift yes
1: Which I was confused by, (laughs) momentarily, because the screenshot of the title screen says Sonic Drift 2. Because, uh, yeah, that's what this is. Because Sonic Drift was not released outside of Japan. No. (laughs) No, this is Sonic Drift 2, or Sonic Drift Racing, as it was called in Europe.
0: Was it? See, I'm sort of surprised that they did it that way around. Yeah, What the screenshot that we have is of it saying Sonic Drift, and then 2. It would have been trivial for them to simply either remove the 2 from the title screen, or put it on the box and just we just accept that we never got Sonic Drift One. I'm s- shut up. Somebody having a Sonic Drift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised they let it out in this
1: laziest way. In between form, yeah. yeah, they didn't do anything to edit it, yeah. Yeah. no I'm pretty sure I have played this. Oh. Purely because it was included on the Sonic Gems collection. Yes. Which I have. And in fact, wasn't that the first time Sonic Drift 1 was released outside Japan as well? I don't even know if it was on it. According to Wikipedia, there was just a demo of it. Oh, on it. right. So, yeah. I do not know for sure, though. A I demo? Because I don't remember anything about it. Demo of a Game Gear game. But Jenny Fromer's review here is mirrored by some of the other reviews quoted on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. which you note know, that it has a very short horizon and difficult Mm. So they only give it a 67, given a Sonic game a 67 in the Sonic comic. Who we? Mm. Yeah.
2: Hush.
0: I had a little look at this one. I haven't played it, but I looked it up for this, and yeah, it looks like, like a Game Gear game. It looks like a Game Gear game where you you go like, oh cool, this is quite nice. It's like one of the game, it's like the Game Boy Advance Mario Kart or whatever. Oh cool, nice. Yeah, and yeah. then the more you look at it, the more you're like, yeah, I'd have played this twice and then never bothered again.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the fact that the screen is fully half. Map. Mm. The game itself, Sonic Drift Series, was a direct response to Mario Kart. Mm. Anyway, and Mario. To be honest, yeah, I played. Ma- I didn't play Mario Kart back in the no, day. No, me neither. Never, I've never been much for racing games. Oh, yeah. But when I then played Mario Kart on the Snes Mini, I was like, oh, this is a bit rubbish mm. actually, because the original Mario Kart on Snes is uh, it's very plain. It's got none of the exciting features that you sort of associate with Mario Kart. Yeah as a brand it's and uh, it's a struggle isn't it i've tried to play it several
0: times on the switch i'm always like yeah the original very
1: Mario- can't, 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 so it's pretty boring hmm. actually you know f zero's on the snares mini and it's far better yes that's odd i mean it? i'm at it oh yeah
0: but- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Sonic did... It's not odd how often Sonic did this? Sonic Drift, Sonic Drift 2, Sonic R, Sonic yeah. All-Stars Racing, Sonic All-Stars Racing mm. Transformed. They're constantly doing Mario Karts with Sonic, and it's like, only Sonic R made sense because Sonic was just running. Yeah,
1: it's, it's funny Because that. he's a running man. And it's the one people remember, Yeah, you know?
0: I like it, though. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of them all in little sweet cars. I want little toys of them in their little cars.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: I've just thought of... I've just thought, Of what my favourite possible toy would be for to come out at this exact time. Oh I am having conniptions, just I'm mourning the death of a thing that never was. Come on. Imagine if we got little Sonic Drift micro machines with little Sonicy and Amy and Knucklesy
1: heads coming out of the little micro machines! That would have been pretty good (sighs) to say. Imagine their little faces! Where's the micro-machines nostalgia? Where are the pop equivalent of micro-machines? Where are the re-released micro-machines of licensed properties? Yeah, like, because micro-machines... Why can't I get a micro-machines mystery machine? I don't want it. but I'm just like, why is that not a thing? Is it this?
0: Is it that we can, and just nobody really ever talks about it because it's so normal now? Like... Are they still around and we just don't know? Do
1: you know I don't know if micro machines are still Neither around? Neither do I but I don't think they don't have that
0: I bet they're not because I bet people think they're too small and they're a choking hazard. To be honest,
1: they always were.
0: They always were. Well that's what happened with like Mighty Max and Polly, po- Polly Pocket, which outlived Mighty Max, became very big. She became just
1: a doll I think Polly Pocket might even still exist I think
0: it, I think they might have actually gone back to a fairly small Polly Pocket now but yeah Micro Machines Micro Machines is such a slam dunk idea for a toy there's literally no downside to it apart from you know if a too young child gets in it's joke. you might up. die you might die but it's Toy Car I mean as downsides go it, it's quite a downside but it's one <laughs> it's of the quite a downside. that's one of those ones where yeah well it didn't happen to us because our parents just didn't let us do that you know but it's toy vehicles slam dunk they're really little slam dunk it's brilliant it's brilliant you can fit like ten of them in your pocket (laughs) it's just brilliant and little little cars that are of things Mario Karts Sonic Drifts I had Micro Machine Zords they were definitely coming out before it all ended and yeah that rings
1: a bell mm, and they were brilliant they're brilliant because they're things small (laughs) And that's brilliant. Okay, but this has nothing to do with Sonic Drift. So let's (laughs) flip on. Yeah. Okay. Shinobi. Shinobi.
0: One, two, three. Power of the Elements, Part Two, written by Alan McKenzie, art by John Howard, and letters by Tom Frame. After realizing that Masashi poses them no threat, Kotomi Sensei, the leader and teacher of the rooftop dwellers, welcomes him into their community of the destitute and homeless. With the four elements hot on his trail and the roof worlders now unintentionally placed in the line of fire, Kotomi Sensei and his students work with Masashi to ambush the approaching villains.
1: I don't know if I have
0: much on this one to be honest. That's a shame. I have literally nothing. I haven't written a single yeah, note it's, down.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's fine. It's a good issue. Yep, that, no yep. no beef with it whatsoever. Looks looks great as usual. Speaks entirely for itself, and I don't have anything to add, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but it's a conversation.
0: Aha. There you go, that's what to say. It's unusual for us that we don't have very much to say about a strip in STC, and that's because normally they feel obliged to cram quite a lot into a few pages. Mm. This is more of a modern-style comic. Well, we said this about Shinobi right from the start. It always took... Yeah, it's
1: always had that air to it. It always
0: took a moment. Do you remember it was the the first one? All he did was walk down the stairs or something. Uh And in this one he just has it's a single scene of a conversation with a little montage in the middle of him taking his disguise off
1: well the, the very end is that the uh, the the elements come mm. the martial artists of the roof worlders who have been taught by the comic doesn't call them roof worlders i'm calling them that because the last issue it said next roof world but they don't they don't call it that here either but i think it's a good word and i'm gonna keep using it um
0: (laughs) when this trip finishes we'll just start calling other people roof worlders as it suits us that's right (laughs) hey up my old roof worlder hey roof worlders welcome to the sonic comic podcast If anyone does a Shinobi podcast, that's what they should do.
1: That's what they call them, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, just have a bit of a conversation. But of course, it does all come back to the art of war and the teachings mm. of his sensei. Musashi wants to leave, but then uh, Kotomi-sensei says to him, no, you, please stay, because if if they come and you're gone already, it's going to go bad for us. Mm, yeah. But then he says, did your own sensei tell you about taking the fight to the enemy? Yeah. Yes, it is a wise strategy. Oh my goodness, I've just noticed he's actually called him. Now there we see the fact that Alan McKenzie doesn't actually quite get this whole Japanese thing. Where he's, yes, he introduces himself as Kotomi-sensei. But then that's treated as if it's his name. Because Musashi then calls him (laughs) Sensei-san. Yes. Which is, essentially, he's just called him Mr. Teacher. Yeah, but with... Uh, am
0: I right in thinking that it's one or the other? Sensei, it's like saying Mr. Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Professor or something.
1: Mr. Doctor, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, so that's wrong, but uh, he's, he's yeah, done all uh, right up till now, up isn't until not he? Right now, but never mind, you know. And, and when well, we say it's a conversation, the first three pages are, then the last two pages are them lurking in ambush and springing the ambush. Again, like, it's quite a... A considered use of pages altogether in this strip You know, the fourth page here Is simply the elements getting close And one of the roof worlders spotting them And doing an owl cry As a way to alert the others, you know Mm. And then one called What's his name? Uh, Kinpachi uh, telling tell a mute chap named Kimpaji who goes mm, mm, in a in a speech bubble. Oh yeah, I um, never I never noticed that. You know, well, I mean, I presume that's the. I attempt, mean, that's all he says, know, and it's and he's he cannot speak with words, so he just and ropes. he's look
0: he's stood right next to Shinobi and talking to him right to mm-hmm. his face, so it's not as if he's nothing's happening to him, he's not getting hurt, so yeah, it probably is that. Yep,
1: and then they launched their attack in a great final battle. Oh, I have to say, so good. Ooh. And I love even the dialogue, the language, because I remember this stood out to me as a kid as what felt like a a slightly strange way of saying this. But yeah, you know, the Yakuza are like, there's some Yakuza gunmen here along with the the elements, and Air holds them up and says, I have a bad feeling about this, and one of them says, more of your ninja superstitions, and she... Whirls on him in a, a slightly, a very 90s, let's say, looking panel yes. where her eyes are a little bit too far up her head and there's a lot of cross hatching going on. <laughs> anyway, and she says, uh, Save your breath for fighting, fool. We are attacked as it cuts to the next panel, and the roof worlders in Shinobi will come leaping in with their sticks. and. It, oh, yeah. We are attacked. We are and, attacked. I mean, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's it's that kind I of like it. Uh, considered, slightly stilted yeah. dialogue of the samurai, yeah. the lexicon of the samurai We are attacked.
0: Movie. Doesn't that last panel look like it could have been the cover of a game? Yeah.
1: There's something about
0: how all these different people are doing all their noticeably different moves in their noticeably different costumes almost all of them you know turning face to camera in some way over their shoulder or whatever yeah. it's like here's the team but it looks more like um an eternal champions cover than a shinobi
1: yeah yeah more of a snares cover than a mega <laughs> <but>. interesting <laughs> just because i imagine it on a sideways box yeah there. That's, that's it what, that's, that's, yes. what, that's the only reason that's exactly <laughs> it next war on roof world so they're still going with that yeah, roof, roof World. World's so I'm, I'm vindicated graphic zone
0: Zone. it's a musical graphic zone this time
1: sonic and tails and rock and roll is all and tails
0: and rock and roll nice from now on listeners everyone within the sound of my voice from now on sonic and tails is a euphemism for sex and drugs go forth and use
1: it (laughs) (laughs) it's like netflix and chill yeah the the old sonic and tails Chloe Hilton from Beckbury has delivered one of Sonic and Tails... uh, The description here is the Pet Shop Boys? Question mark. mark, And it feels like it's riffing on something deliberate, but I don't know what it is. What do you mean? Something about the way they're dressed in shirts and caps and have earrings. I know,
0: yeah. Purely going by the hat and the earring, I'm leaning East 17. Let me look up some pictures of East 17. Did they ever... Well, I was going to say, did they ever... Because Sonic here... In his green backwards baseball cap and jacket, yes. um, awkwardly fitted around his spikes and his little earring, he's playing a keyboard that he's holding, guitar yes. style, but it doesn't seem to have the tar bit. And then Tails, no. sunglasses, earring, purple t-shirt with like a blue collar, maybe. He's yep. on the guitar, and it's an acoustic guitar. Acoustic, yeah. And by the way, that guitar is—they've drawn it right. They're copying a real acoustic guitar. It's—it's it's yes. got the sort of the odd-shaped patch on it. And the, the the bar at the end. I don't know the words for the bits of a guitar, but no, this makes me feel like it is in fact copied off a photo of a band. It's just That's what band? It.
1: Yeah, there's something about this that just says yeah. Maybe it is, is pet shop a, reference. I would feel like it's probably just something from a glossy mag of of some yeah, boys. Just whatever at the time, they had to know, hand. Not not any kind of famous promo shot. Just a yeah. Adam Goodall has done a Run Sonic MC, which uh. I feel, again, yeah. looks to me like referenced from
0: This something. one, I was sure I knew what it was. I was. So what it is, it's a drawing of Sonic, drawn in that way that a child will draw, where it's like, oh, that's quite good, but also, oh, that's a bit wrong, and you know that they're copying an existing picture of Sonic, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's stood there, kind of from a bit above, holding a microphone, notes coming out of his mouth, but they look more like headphones. Yeah. He's got a medallion on of a gold ring, and he's standing... On a sort of gold disc, but with one foot on a little raised plinth. I thought Mm. that this was the illustration that goes with the sound test for the first 8-bit Sonic game, Master System and Game Gear, which does have a picture of Sonic with a little microphone singing along to the music. Mm. But I've looked it up and it's not that. It's nothing like
1: this. It's another drawing of him. So See, it's the medallion around the neck with the foot on the square makes mm. it look like he's on a on a, on a winner's podium. It does, yeah. Kind. So the microphone and the notes may be mm. an embellishment. Maybe. Now, fortunately, we don't have these issues with any of the remaining pictures. <laughs> we can get off this <laughs> yes. attempting to pick apart children's artwork to their origins. Andrew Elkington from Coventry, Coventry. has gone for Sonic Unplugged with a, a, a rather ferocious-looking Sonic on a guitar. Yep,
0: and he's got a head band on so i am going bruce springsteen could be and that is a red guitar with a white star on it so that's a sonic thing but if it's also a band thing tell us the next one is kevin downey from belfast Am I pronouncing that correctly, Chris Belfast? Yes, um. I'll accept
1: that. <laughs> this is a punk Sonic. Yes, very much so. All those late nights seem to be taking their toll, says the uh, says the caption. Uh, Sonic is definitely looking a bit worse. Yeah, for the, the, the
0: concessions to making him be a punk. It has twisted him into a whole new shape. He looks rather monstrous.
1: Yes, he's got a mohawk of orange hair coming out the top there. He's got a nose ring. He's got a female symbol earring. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yep. At least it's a feminist punk Sonic. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I can't tell what's going on with the arms. They're very brown. They're
0: very brown, as are the legs, so evidently that's just the pen he had or the whatever it is. So. But this Sonic has a tat on his arm. I can't see what it's of. It's just a blue sort of smudgy no, shape a bit of a blue and his guitar that he's got yeah it's kind of in the sort of the jamaican knuckles shoes
1: colors i yeah of. it looks more like a rugby ball on the end of a poker but uh it's an interesting one at least very
0: interesting oh and of course big sunglasses of course of course how do we not mention the sunglasses there's something frightening about this one i'm i'm yeah, unsettled looking at the
1: guy it's misshapen yeah it looks like it's in pain yes
0: poor old sonic so, next page then, because this is a double-pager, as graphic zones tend yeah, but to be. Yes,
1: because we should say we don't have a new zone this issue. This is what we have instead. Mm-hmm. I think probably listeners have figured that out. But, yep, yeah, we've got double-page spread in the middle this
0: here. This is my favourite one. Daniel... Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: the one I'm drawing
2: to.
0: Daniel Fishwick of Barrow and Furnace, Cumbria, Game Gear owner, has drawn us... The, so, ostensibly, it's tails as Elvis. Mm. He's singing Blue Suede Shoes. It says, don't step on my Blue Suede Shoes, note, in a speech balloon. This is a small child who knows the song Blue Suede Shoes.
1: Yep, and he's wearing Blue Suede yeah, Shoes. So he is. He's
0: wearing Sonic shoes, but they're blue. Didn't even spot that. Top quality. I don't know if maybe the image that this kid is, is sort of drawing from might be a, a glitch... Or a shake in Stevens or something. I don't know if it's an Elvis
1: necessarily. Yeah.
0: But he's got the big coloured jacket on. It's all covered in spangly tat. It's got all sorts of spangle all over it. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is just his face. It's great. How do we approach <laughs> describing this lovely face? He's got two massive eyes, zillions of miles apart from each other, and a lovely little smile on his face. And he just looks so friendly. And he's got this huge wedge of hair coming off him. It's
1: It's... It's... Three times the size of his body. It's amazing. And he's holding a microphone as well. It is. Which is, it's, it's all quite lovely. I wonder who wrote the uh, speech, Bubble. Because, mm. you know, you'd look at the art and you'd think it's quite a young... You are right, but the
0: penmanship. Uh, I think yeah.
1: uh, maybe Mum has written in the uh, the speech bubble. It's, there.
0: Yeah, it's nice that He's but be- or it's a child who is much better at writing
1: than drawing. Than they are drawing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm not making any criticisms. The drawing is lovely, nope, but it nope. just looks like a very young child's drawing who you wouldn't think would be able to write. Certainly wouldn't expect to spell
1: the word suede. Got one here from Nedja Deepa of Wiggington in York, who's done. Um, well, it's not. It's a little punk, but not really. Yeah, He ain't nothing but a hedgehog, says the caption. It's Sonic in a sleeveless black leather jacket and sunglasses and a guitar. Yep. And he's got kind of a spiky hairdo. Well, I mean, Sonic's always got a spiky hairdo. Of course, But, yes. <laughs> well, this is like... He's got five tiny little
0: spikes on the top of his head. It, what it's like is it's like someone stuck a fork up in. Yeah. And it's come out <laughs> the top of his head. That's what it looks like.
1: And then, if I'm totally honest, I have to uh. say that I think the final picture on this page... <laughs> was that they didn't get a seventh picture that had anything to do with music. Yes. Because this drawing of Knuckles from Mal Mason in St. Albans is Knuckles as a biker. Yeah, and don't get me wrong.
0: It's yeah. great. This is... It's a great one. This is, this is uh, traced
1: off that piece of Japanese
0: uh, stock art. Yes, the one that you see—that's very early picture of him, where mm. he's got the the odd, slightly thin bulge of one eye coming out of his head, as it were. Basically, yeah. it's just been done up where, like, everything it would be inappropriate for a children's character to be or do. Yes. he is being and
1: doing. Yep, he is smoking. Yeah, he has stubble. There's a yep. pack of cigarettes tucked into his front sh- the front pocket of the leather vest he's wearing. Yep. He's got a belt there, a studded belt with a skull skull belt buckle. Yep. He's got an open beer in his hand, the frothing over, foaming out of the top.
0: If I'm the editor and I'm trying to downplay that, I'd have put something about that being Iron Brew because
1: it's kind of orange. They yeah. haven't done that. It's beer. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing a black and white camo bandana over the top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find anything to object to about the
0: boots he's wearing. Oh, I'll tell you what it is. They're basically, um, they're dockers, aren't they? They've got extras laces going all the way up them.
1: And rhinestone emblazoned on his <laughs> glove is the word kill. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. And it's the way up. It's It's upside down as we're looking at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't even notice it at first because I was so like taken in by the rest of the image. I
0: wonder if the editors
1: noted it or not. (laughs) Mm. But to be brutally honest. Yep. Great drawing. (laughs) it's a cracker yeah, it's a good grim, one grim yeah. work. best drawing on the
0: page no question definitely <laughs> if we set aside lovely Elvis Tails' face it's definitely the
1: best drawing on the page yes <laughs> well even if we include lovely tails <laughs> face technically it's the it's the technical winner
0: it's an achievement this is a good drawing by yeah. an older child who is getting into films they shouldn't be into this is it, it, it's <laughs> a bit apocalypse now this it's uh, this is there's yeah this is hardcore and uh, and Knuckles here looks really nasty and mean and uh, threatening. So yeah, well done to uh, Mal Mason. And that's a good name for a threatening boy, isn't it? Mal.
1: Mal Mason. Yeah, Mal yeah. Mason. Private eye. Yeah. Mal Mason, detective.
2: NEWS ZONE
1: But a double page graphic zone does mean that we have no news zone, as I said. But what we do have instead is Dave's Diary. Have we got our jingle for this yet? No, as we if need we to make one, don't we? Exciting. Engaging. Profound.
0: It's time for your content. Dave's interesting. interesting Diary. So we begin on Friday the 24th of March, and here I'm musing on what I'm going to spend my pocket money on. Ooh! Tomorrow I'm hopefully going to buy a Mighty Max pack including the cartoon version of Warmonger, (laughs) Rock Monster, etc. Yes, Warmonger was uh, Skullmaster's... Skullmaster's henchman, I remember. Yeah, and, and at this point, what had happened was the local toy shop had started stocking these interesting things where it was literally just four or five little tiny figures lined up. That was it. Right, not even a, not okay. a set. They didn't go in a set. They didn't fit anywhere, but they were about to scale with the ones that did. So you could just, essentially, yeah. you could replace your, you know, your prototype designs from the Skull Mountain set with the actual cartoon yes. designs that had since emerged as the official ones. But from the bigger town, I'm going to buy Dizzy, Prince of the Yoke Folk, on the Amiga. On the Amiga! <laughs>
1: you'd really saved up your pennies i know hadn't i
0: yeah but uh, now the next day and this bit just highlights the blazing optimism of being a child in those days because i've already promised that i'm going to make a round trip i'm going to buy the mighty max figures i'm going to buy prince of the yoke folk dizzy on the amiga turns out i'm just assuming prince of the yoke folk dizzy on the amiga is a thing you can go out and buy because quote we phoned everywhere and no one had yoke folk but we did go to the toy shop and we found that there were, in fact, three Mighty Max sets. Or as I have called them here, Max Packs. Two X's. Nah. Finished typing up the first part of the end of Mobius today.
1: Oh man, alive! <laughs> <laughs> what a confluence. I love it.
0: <laughs> and now the voice of privilege speaks. Oh no. <laughs> On Monday the 27th. I have decided that we are officially rich. Ooh. And this is because I have had a pocket money raise of 60p up to £2 per week. Hot
1: diggity down.
0: <laughs> Things I would buy if I won 4 million on the lottery. <laughs> a view cam each. Do you remember the view cam? Mm.
1: Sure That's I the, uh,
0: the first, or at least the first I was aware of, video camera to have a screen in the back that you can look ah, at without having to have your eye down a viewfinder. We didn't even have a video camera, mind you, hmm. so that was my video camera of choice.
1: And not just one, mind you, but one each. Each.
0: A Sony Minidisc recorder... Each? I don't you, specify what I mean by
1: each. Uh, one for each of the member of the household, I assume. Well, this
0: is it. Am I including my my parents in this, or is it just me and my brother? Because I don't think my parents would be at all interested in a Sony Mini Disc recorder.
1: Well, I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean they're rich as far as you're concerned, so they could probably buy their own Mini Disc recorders. <laughs> exactly. If they can afford to dole out two pounds every
0: week. However big DH one I could afford, and to translate that is Amiga language for hard drive.
2: On the Amiga. Ah.
0: big hard drive. And then, if I could still afford stuff, I'd have after my four, million, four million pounds. <laughs> Truly, no comprehension of money. <laughs> I would simply buy all the Mighty Max Doom zones, all the disease for the Amiga, a colour scanner. Uh, This is lovely to hear, because I have ended up with all of these wildest dream things. I've got a video camera with a big screen in the back, my phone. Yeah. I've got, I haven't got a mini disc recorder, but I've got my phone, which is a digital recorder. A lot of these things happen to be your phone. I've got plenty of hard drive space. I did get all of the dizzies on the Amiga, and I don't have a colour scanner, but I have owned more than one. Maybe he was rich, eh, boomers? Apparently. Saturday, the 8th of April, 10.09pm finished the end boss of sonic 3 can't get all the chaos emeralds though so there we go so that's the day i finished sonic 3 so and we've already had sonic and knuckles so it's getting swapped back and forth between me and friends i'm playing them in funny orders here why don't you ever write about sonic the comic i guess it's just taken as red what would i write (laughs) red sonic the comic
1: you've written more about less yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) intend to buy dizzy didn't buy dizzy Yeah. yeah yeah dropped my pen <laughs> <laughs> oh look at this my brother got some lego aqua stuff which hey! is lego Aquazone advertised on the back of this very issue of STC
1: we've seen it before which is why we haven't mentioned it but yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it all comes together so
0: there you go proof that this time really happened that is what was happening in real life the weeks when this issue
1: came out Tales. Zone Runner and the Big Freeze Part 2 Written by Mark Isles, Art by Roberto Corona, Bob Corona. With colors by Brian Williamson and letters by Steve Potter. Saul Furyk explains to Tails that he isn't responsible for bombing the Flock's base. In fact, he's a former member of the group, and he comes seeking to rejoin, now that he's no longer working for Nuts and Bolt, as the robot has become obsessed with finding Tails, and has allowed the chemical plant zone to fall into ruin. Saul leads Tails to the underground community to which the Zone's people have retreated, but the populace recognises and blames Tails for their plight, and the pair have to make a run for Saul's nearby bolt hole, where a furious Sab, revealed to have survived the bombing, arrives.
0: I threw you off the scent earlier by taking the piss out of this, but I I think this is a good one. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I have to. Yeah, you know, it's it's the complete opposite of what we were actually saying about Shinobi. Yeah. About how Shinobi is quite considered. There's not a lot that happens in it. It's just, but there is an awful lot crammed into only four pages here. God, was it only four? There's so yeah, much. Yeah. is always only four for some reason. They've started shuffling this around. We've noticed it mm. once or twice. But it's like Captain Plunder is five pages and it's the fourth strip, and Tails is four pages and it's the third strip. It's normally the, th- the fourth strip's only four pages long. But yeah. We get Saul whole backstory and what's happened to the chemical plant zone since Tails left mm-hmm. it, and we get a bit of an well, sort of two basic separate action sequences where they're chased by a mob and then Sab comes kicking the door in and everything. Yeah, the they're, they're t- uh, two separate like exposition sequences where Saul explains the past so it's, it's uh yeah i'll give violence his due on this one much as we've taken the piss out of the flock before this this does a lot to make mm. Saul sulfuric a, a decent character you know it
0: does it, it really fleshes out the whole thing i've started this is the first time i've i've really cared about any of this but mm. now i do
1: and the art's good the art is good corona that second panel of Saul on the first page very good. Good mm. colouring on it, too. Adds a lot of depth to it. The, it's the three, three-dimensional. Yeah.
0: I don't know if uh, Roberto is taking the previous Tales art as canon here, but um, at the top of page two, there is... Tails' his mouth, tongue is fully dangling out of his mouth as he know, talks. right? <laughs> then there's know, no reason for it. It's not in this case because he's gasping or got his mouth open or anything. It's just his see, tongue's see, hanging out I don't out know for if the
1: reason. tongue is hanging out. I say, no, I don't know that it's hanging out so much that his mouth is just shipped like a little bee. Sh- and it could and be sat in, yeah... Yeah, the tongue is just sitting in the bottom curvature of the beam.
0: I've definitely made that argument before. In this case, it's too much even for me. I think it's I think it's dangling out. It, it really does look
1: like it. <laughs> but I don't know. It somehow
0: I just like the art in this issue, I think. is
1: really No, good. no, it's... Yeah, there's some good, strong kineticism to the work. Colors good. Great colouring from Williamson, yeah. Uh, I mean, look the, at the, the panel there with the explosion of the flock headquarters. I like that they had a door plate that said the flock headquarters. Real nice secrecy there, guys. Way to keep it under wraps, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or when Saab uh, boots the door off the wall. Yeah, this good stuff. So just to sum up exactly what we learned here is that we learned that... Saul used to be a member of the flock back when they were fighting Robotnik in the early days. Then Nutsan Bolt came to the chemical plant zone and took it over, and won Saul over to his side by promising to like build a better chemical plant zone. The implication is maybe that Salmon Saul had a little something going on, I think. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of tears, don't leave me. You yeah. Know? They don't they don't explicitly say there's anything romantic there. No, but, but they uh, both
0: have a tear in their eye during the don't leave me, but I have to, it's our only chance. Can't you understand yeah. that? Uh, that's that's a romantic panel i think
1: so too Especially and obviously with the, the one is a boy pool. and one is a girl and what one has I mean. eyelashes and one doesn't so how else what other way am i make?
0: can <laughs> we make it any more obvious <laughs> and there's pink clouds in the sky above them and everything it's yes yeah
1: but uh yeah uh, he, so he leaves to they think they can improve the chemical plants on but it turns <laughs> out not so uh, well if i'll quote the line things didn't turn out like i expected i ended up fighting sab and nuts and bolt turned out to be a homicidal maniac <laughs> but then we get the panel of him with the old forearm saws from the last one now for the neck saws <laughs> that's really funny
0: after all of this dramatic storytelling after the, the panel with the tears yeah the next one is it didn't turn out like I expected nuts on bolt turned out to be and he's just ah, ha, ha, I'm gonna saw people's necks off ah, ha, ha,
1: ha. big crazy stars and squiggles over his head <laughs> yeah. nuts on bolt we, we enjoyed (laughs) Nutsan Bolt to be fair. And yeah, after the events of the previous story, Nutsan has become consumed in his quest for revenge on Tails. There are wanted posters up for Tails everywhere. Mm. So he has neglected... The upkeep of the chemical plant zone, the whole uh, the snow and everything—the chemical snow—is mm. because all the systems have broken down, and the sky has been infected with all these pollutants that are raining poisonous chemical that's, snow. down Isn't on that the zone. fascinating? Because this that's is a, brilliant. It's really, really cool. And also, it's the first time that, like, up till now,
0: the chemical plant working perfectly is the problem. Like, that's it, polluting everything. Yeah. This is look what happens when you don't even run it properly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just goes into meltdown. And now
1: there's, yeah, there's chemical, fallout, snow and everything. Oh, it's fantastic. Good stuff. So Saul came to rejoin the flock to try and fix things, you know, mm. but uh, when he got there, place exploded. Yeah, And we see that, yeah, because the zone is so it's a mess now, everyone's moved underground. One thing that I think is maybe a goof, though, is that mm. Corona has drawn most of the population of the Zone as robots? Um, oh, let me see. And that doesn't seem right.
0: Oh, I see. What you mean, God, of course. Yeah, when they all spot him and go... There are a couple of critters there. Yeah, they spot him and go, Zone Runner, Scrag him! (laughs) Um, Yeah, a lot of them are robots. I suppose, yes, you could... So, a a couple of times, in the the Zone Runner Scrag him panel, and in the one before it, there's a sort of quite Star Wars-looking one who's all wrapped up in... um, yeah, that could be a look. And has yeah. a sort of rebreather and goggles type look, which could be a robot, or it could imply that all of them that look like robots are actually people who are wearing scrap. But yeah, I think you're right. I think they've yeah. the, the,
1: on the far right of the of the of the panel there is a yes, it's just a rabbit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like a weird. I mean. I suppose the idea that Nutsan has so neglected the zone that even the robots that live there mm. have to go underground as well is not uh, an unworkable one, and it's, it, it's quite an interesting one, in fact. But if the idea is supposed to be that both the regular inhabitants of the zone who have been fighting it and and the robot workers that took it over are having to huddle together, uh, they don't do anything with
0: it. Yeah, you're right there. But while we're talking about the art, I want to draw particular attention to the the large panel on page two of the whole underground town and it's just Mm. fantastic it's it's sort of laid out like a a western town so the one road yeah yeah through it with buildings on either side and those buildings are so covered in details all of them believable so many different shapes things up on stilts little chimneys everywhere ladders slotted Mm -hmm. in things
1: lovely bit of block coloring from williamson too with the walls of the cave that they're in Mm -hmm. in purple and then the whole rest of the town in in mint green yeah uh, yeah, no, and that's you know that's I, i've said it before and i'll say it again uh never underestimate the value of a bit of block coloring
0: uh, yeah absolutely it really looks fantastic that's yeah i just love it
1: no um this was a genuinely good one who knew good, right yeah. like who knew i did not expect it we've been ripping the piss out of the flock about being a bunch of uninteresting characters yeah. but you know what they got me with sulfuric on this one yeah they, it's a good one
0: yeah yeah it helps that there's Two sheep rather than a load of them who all look interchangeable. I've got one main sheep and then Sal comes. No. What's her name? Sab. Sab. Sab comes in. We're just going to call everyone Sal while we talk about this. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sab comes in.
2: Hey, Sal.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Sab comes in and she's the other sheep, and we already have context for her within the context of just this strip, let alone any time we've seen it before. It's more manageable, it's introduced better, and I and I
1: yeah. I like it. And she boots the door in going, Reports of my death are greatly exaggerated, and she jams her gun in Saul's face and she says, I thought you were dead already. Give me a good reason why I shouldn't make sure you are this time. And Tails is just, Maybe we could talk about this in the corner, and it's uh it's pretty good, you know? Pretty good. I mean, once again, Tails is just being dragged along by the plot, but yeah w- help me explain why it's different this time <laughs> yeah
0: and um i think it's because i think there's been a sense with the other tales stories I, uh, this has always been my underlying thing right why should i care about this has always been my mm. question regarding the flock they have problems in the way that characters you care about have but they've always seemed more or less alright, and they've always seemed to be taking... They seem more powerful than Tails, they seem to be taking care of it, and and any involvement that Tails has is, again, just because of a misunderstanding that they seem to think he should be there for some reason, when really, he needn't... They don't need him at all. In this, taken on its own, Tails has come to this place, and a story unfolds in front of him, but this time... It's really well laid out. There he is. Some innocent people appear to be dead. Some goodies appear to be dead. This guy seems to have done it. No, twist. Here's what's going on with him. He used to be the best of them, but then he quit to work with the bad guy. But he was duped. And now in comes good guy woman, kicks the door down, gun in his face. It's just, it's a cool story this time. I know why I should care about this. The others have felt like, almost like, and I don't think this is what it is, so I'm not saying that, but it they felt like someone writing a fanfic about something they already care about and don't yeah. really understand why you wouldn't care about it already. But this feels like storytelling. I'm always put in mind of the time when I was very young and, and in school and my friend Thomas had come home from a holiday in America... And on the playground that day, he said, let's play America, and stuck his (laughs) arms out and went meowing around the playground. And we couldn't join in, because it was just something he knew what it was. It feels like that. What's the flock? Who cares? Is this a reference? Is this a riff? What is it? Well, in this, it's its own story, and one that I care about. And frankly, I'd have liked to have started here.
1: Yeah, I mean... I guess we sort of need to know who the flock were in the first place before mm. you get to this point with a story yeah. about them. And that makes, an I, extent, I suppose yeah. it does help that it, I tell you what, it does help actually that although tails is just carried along by this plot the plot is not moved along by some hilarious misunderstanding about the fact you shouldn't be here yeah. no in fact you are in the guts of this tails mm. it's because somebody is specifically out for revenge on yeah. you because of something that you did do to them that this is happening
0: yeah you're right there maybe I that's think, why it's different let's say i'm making the movie of this right we're adapting it It's all been out. We get to pick what stories we use. The way I think I'm doing it is that this is the start of the story with the flock. But Tails has found out that there is a group somewhere called the flock. They've written to him or something. He's found out about Mm -hmm. them. His quest is to go and find them. He finds them and they're dead. And then all yeah, of this happens. Only
1: Saul Furyk is there.
0: Yeah, all of this can still be because someone's out for revenge on Tails, but just for some previous, you know, Captain America Civil War thing. That A previous Sonic <laughs> and Tails adventure disadvantaged someone, and they're out for revenge on that. I think that's how I'd
1: handle it. So yeah, this... Loving this one. Yeah, looking I'm forward to more. looking forward to the next part of this because I don't, I don't really remember. I don't know what it is about. I guess I was just so consumed with everything that was going on in the Sonic strip right now. Given how clear my memories of those stories are, mm. I'm realizing I actually don't. I said it last issue with um, Shinobi at least, and I'm realizing it now that all this backstory has been filled in here. on Tales is that I, I, I don't actually remember what happens in these serials. No, Sonic just. Occupied all my brain space for this run of issues, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember Nutsan comes back, and I remember what his new deal is in this story, but I don't remember the payoff. I don't remember. I don't remember where the story goes. And for the first time on an Isles Tales, yeah, genuinely looking forward to see what happens. Hurrah! Hurrah! Qzo. Gosh, it's just a bog-standard Q-Zone, this issue, isn't it? It's not not a Q&A, it's not um, a guy doing anything. We've got cheats for Aladdin on the Game Gear, Echo the Dolphin on the Mega CD, FIFA 95 on the Mega Drive, Jungle Book on the Mega Drive, and Sonic Spinball on the Mega Drive. Just a nice little cross-section of cheats about which I've got absolutely nothing to say.
0: I wanted to bring up one thing. What was it? Oh, yeah, what's this all about in the little intro paragraph? How many cheats does it take to complete a game? Not enough, it seems. I what? guess
1: I have to keep producing content for these two pages.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. That's what it sounds like, right? Mm, yeah, I guess. So the Aladdin one. And by the way, listeners, they don't just go, Aladdin, press this. No, they have to try and come up with some copy to like introduce know, them right. all. And the one they've got for aladdin this was considered to be walt disney's most successful animated feature film ever until the lion king came along which proved a roaring success (laughs) nevertheless (laughs) uh, just for you handheld users here's a superb aladdin cheat that will make you almost invincible so they just have to talk like that it's weird but um oh the sheer joy of an invincibility cheat in the Oh, 90- back in
1: the day, man. Oh, yeah.
0: You kind of have to be a kid to appreciate it, but it just felt great to be able to wander around and explore like nothing mattered and everything was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then there's um, level codes for Echo on the Mega CD. Mm-hmm. What's the one... <laughs> Again, in the copy for FIFA 95, I like this. Firstly, go to the main options screen and choose which of the following cheats you would like, then press the relevant joypad buttons. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know, that's what I was going to do, don't worry. I was going to put the press main the screen, buttons.
1: then press. That's all you need to say, Dave. Come on, <laughs> stop with the flavour. Hmm? lots of cheats for jungle book after having done a you know a two-part dedicated guide to it not so long ago but they've mm-hmm. got all sorts of level skips change screen color upside oh. down mode all sorts change screen color and the level skip uh, code for sonic spinball i recently completed sonic spinball on the, Ma- really? mega mini. on the mega drive mini yes so abusive save states obviously but yeah but one still one, so. oh well done. i don't think i've
0: ever seen level two
1: of sonic spinball i don't know that it's necessarily <laughs> possible i did find my myself having a much harder time with it than when I played it many many years ago on the GameCube Sonic Mega Collection.
0: Oh, you found it easier on that version.
1: Yes, I did. Yes, because oh. no, I I remember no, I remember back then when it didn't have save states, I did get to the final level. Yes.
2: Nice. Oh, well and done. I got
1: mystified. I couldn't make any progress for reasons. When I got to the final level on the Mega Drive Mini, I was playing it and I was looking out for, mm. where did I get stuck? What was the problem? hope I don't find it again. Mm. No idea what the problem <laughs> was. Well. I got on and uh, got... Uh, did it. <laughs> Arr. 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 Captain Plunder Arr. and
0: his Sky Pirates, part three. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching, letters by Eleanor Fell. With the aid of Simpson's strange cartoon physics powers, Plunder is able to escape his cell and dispose of the guard. Simpson leads him to a secret tunnel dug by a former prisoner, but the two are unaware that Plunder's crew of pirates are at the other end, in the process of breaking in to rescue their captain. Captain Plunder, it's a good one. I haven't got any captain notes Plunder, on him. Plunder, he's <laughs> a hero. <laughs> But I haven't got any notes because I just had such a nice time reading it.
1: I know. So this is our proper introduction to Simpson. Simpson. uh, last issue. We didn't get the full deal of him. We talked about how, yeah, he's a Felix the Cat looking black and white uh, 1930s cartoon type character. Yeah. And once they're out of the chains in this issue, it turns out he's got full cartoon physics powers. Yeah. First of all, he tips his hat to plunder, except he's not wearing a hat. So he literally lifts the top of his own head off and tips it. But it turns out that this secret escape tunnel that Simpson knows about is on the uh, outside of the cell. And Plunder says, Oh, you mean the one we can't get to because of all these bars and such? So now what are we gonna do, you flea-bitten scum-sucking s**t I'm not having language like that in this comic, Megadroid. And then this question mark appears over Simpson's head in, in classic cartoon or comic style. And he reaches up and he lifts the question mark out of the air, and he uses it as a key or a lockpick to open the cell door. <laughs>
2: Yay! <Simpson.
1: laughs> oh, brilliant! I remember, I remember this happening when I was reading it, and I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" <laughs> this is this is one of those things. I don't know
0: why. Nigel has decided to do this right
1: <laughs> no right it's so random as a thing it's not like something that feels like it belongs in the world it's not to do, do with anything.
0: Sonic it's not to do with pirates it's not to do with Captain but Wonder.
1: it does feel like it belongs in a Nigel kitchen that's exactly it, it works because it's him and he can get away with it
0: that's what this is this is a it just goes back to something I've said a few times in this series they've just given Nigel the back pages of the comic. Yep. And he's done what he wants with them. And in this case, there's a certain feeling of like, well, look, if I'm writing and drawing this, I might as well do stuff that it's a little bit tricky to get across in words. And I can just have fun in drawings without having to really tell anybody about it before it's done. And uh, I don't know if that's true. Maybe he had to submit a script first. I don't know. But this is a cartoonist talking to a cartoonist to come up with this concept. And it's... I
1: love it. It's great. Yeah, Simpson unlocks the door and then Plunder just goes, There'll be something not quite right about you. You know that? (laughs) (laughs) Shall we go?
2: Now, we just need to listen here for a
1: minute. This ain't how Captain Plunder is supposed to escape from prison. So we be going to say we fought our way through dozens of well-armed guards. You got that?
0: Yes. And then this big frog looking guy.
1: Yes, the uh, the fellow from last issue. Gullets, his name was.
0: Yeah, and he's armed with a plank of wood with all nails stuck through it, and he just attacks. Yep. But, and Captain Plunder's living it. He's like, here we go, this is more like nah, it. And he wants a big be fight. More like it. <laughs> but two panels into the fight, Simpson is busily painting
1: a hole on the ground with black it paint. He just pulls a tin of black paint yeah. and a paintbrush out of nowhere, paints a black circle on the ground, and of course, Wiley e. Coyote style. Yeah. It's a hole. Gullet falls into it. And that's it. And then, I don't believe this. We fought our way through 20 guards. You got that, mate? <laughs> oh, I'd have said 25 at least. <laughs> hey. Yay,
0: Captain Plunder. These are pirates. Apparently, I'm always going to sing that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he shows him to the tunnel. This tunnel was dug by Billy Gulch. Took him 20 years. The day before he was going to use it, they pardoned him i never got over it that's great what a great line that is <laughs> what a great comic this is know oh, it's tremendous isn't it? and then filch is leading the rest of the pirates and they've uh, got it they, they found the other end of the tunnel it's got to be gulch's tunnel captain plunder is as good as rescued and i
0: just do not think that this would happen if it wasn't for the fact of 2008 of buster of the b this is it is perfectly natural to everyone involved in this To have something in the comic. It doesn't have to be about the thing it's about. You know what I mean? This is Captain Plunder and Simpson. There's no Sonic anywhere to be seen. Anywhere in this. But it just works. It's just nice because it has this feeling of being from
1: this comic i'm so happy that this happened well it doesn't it doesn't you know because it is something so completely different i mean we wondered the last issue is like did Kitching have designs on doing something else with plunder when he created him mm. 20 or 30 issues ago yeah uh, did he feel like he had to introduce it through that venue or did he in the time since writing those original three issues decide oh maybe there's something here yeah and then decide to do a strip and bring him back in the main sonic strip just for a bit of synergy mm.
0: it just it, it puts me in mind of um the old uh, ducular comics I used to read had a completely irrelevant strip in the middle about a boy and his magic spell book. It was just nothing to do with it. And this is <laughs> sort of
1: that... I just love it. Well, I mean, it would be more that if it wasn't a case of this comic starting being having one Sonic strip and everything else is different. That's the so thing. We're well indoctrinated to the strips, not having anything to do with Sonic anyway.
0: Especially since Captain Plunder and Filch have, were in the previous two Sonic yeah. strips, so it all works. But it's
1: well, I mean, that's yeah, because as we pointed out last issue, we sort of didn't realise it at first, just because of how divorced, <laughs> generally speaking, this is from the world of Sonic. That yeah, we are on three Sonic universe strips right now and one sega superstar mm. i feel like we maybe call them the sega superstars more than the comic did i think so yeah that's that's sort of how just we mentally identify them but i don't think it was ever intended to be like sega superstars tm no yeah
0: yeah it's not a category <laughs> of comic.
1: copyright robotnik industries no. <laughs> yeah but it's just sort of worked out that way yeah
0: anyway it's great isn't it captain plunder it's great it's, it's a, a nice pitching comic
1: yeah, we've. I mean, we've said, it's the jokes. We read you the jokes. We're done. Done. It's good. Read it yourself. Look at the drawings. There's more next, next issue. <laughs> next issue in the dark. Gosh, it's a slim speed lines too. It is it? Only two letters in this one for some reason. They've yeah. cranked up that font as high as it goes. It's not even the font. It's the fact that the one of the pictures is twice as
0: wide. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and what a picture it is. It's from Jason Minka of Brackley
1: Northants, Game Gear owner, and it's. <laughs> What is it? <laughs> well, its it, I'll tell you what it is. is—is It's annoying me, is what it is doing. <laughs> because I'd swear I know what this is based on, but I can't place it. Oh, really? It's doing my nut right proper. But it's a sort of crab meat or shellcracker style badnik, but without the claws. So it looks a bit like a, a spider, but it's got the eyes on stalks like crab meter shell cracker and it matches with the center pages in the graphic zone it's uh, the caption reads never mind the bad nicks hey. this one's turned punk <laughs> and it's yeah it's a brown spidery lobstery type of badnik with a mohawk running up the center of its body which is actually actually is great it's a great cartooning is the yes just putting a mohawk on the body of the thing on a because that's where its eyes are but yeah so
0: i really yes i've got no complaints about the drawing itself it's just what it's doing here i mean it's not one of the crab badniks it's like we only know it's a a bad nick at all because it's a crab with little buttons and stuff on it and even there they could just be like
1: punk rivets it might just be a crab <laughs> no, that's what I'm I'd swear this is based off something but I can't really what it is and that's what's doing my nothing
0: yeah. no, perhaps we'll uh, throw it out to the readers
1: but uh, I, I like it it's a funny little picture this, yeah it's just what's it doing there <laughs> the other picture is uh, Captain Tails Me Hearties yeah. from Martin Conway of Cambridge and it's tails with an eye patch and an earring and, I i mean, nothing else piratical, really. Something's going on with his shoes, but I can't tell what. It looks like they're torn, just like in his toes are poking out. Oh, head. that's what it is. You're right. Yeah, claws.
0: Yeah, they drew the f- shoes before they realized they wanted it torn, so the, the toes kind of go over it. And it's a bit confusing. But, yep, yeah, that's what it is. It's Tails with an eye patch and an earring.
1: JP Sharp from Belfast in Northern Ireland, a Mega Drive watcher, writes Dear STC, despite numerous attempts to get my Mega Drive up and running, I've come to the conclusion that you have to be a qualified engineer. The novelty of putting the instruction manual back in the box after another unsuccessful assault is wearing thin. And Mega Drive responds well, Perhaps you should put your glasses on next time, JP. And, um, you know, I mean, I sympathize with JP because, uh, uh, not so long ago, whenever I was moving a console from one room to another, I was like, God, you just have one wire these days. Yeah. You just have an HDMI cable that goes there and it goes there and it just works. Yeah. And back in those days... Yeah, all sorts of wires. You had the box you had to plug the aerial into. Yeah. You had the three-color laser, the scart to navigate around. It was difficult back then. Games only worked on... You had to figure out... You had to tune it into the right channel to get the picture. Yeah,
0: you had to sort out channel zero and you had to switch it to video.
1: It was tougher back than than it seemed. It was, you know?
0: although I wouldn't say it's tough enough to justify this. I don't know how these people have managed to... Fail again and again and again. Yeah,
1: it's not that tough, but it's not as easy as from
0: what I remember. The aerial comes out the back of the Mega Drive, goes into the telly, and you plug your telly aerial into the box halfway up that lead. So now you can switch it between Mega Drive and telly. Right, that's what I think it is. I don't know what these people are trying to do. I don't know what the sharps are playing around with. And the last one, titled Raging Gales. Yes, Gales is G-a- in Gaelic. Dear STC. It's a pun, you see. Eh, yes. Dear STC, it wouldn't surprise me if Dr. Robotnik had a touch of Celtic blood in his veins. After all, he's a short-tempered redhead who shouts, and has been caught wearing a kilt on this very page. And that is from Hamish Bryant, Killwinning, Scotland. MCD, and Mega Drive owner.
1: We remember the like kilt, don't like we? kilt. Dr. Like an
0: eggs hen. <laughs> and Mega Drive says, surely you're getting mixed up with Lulu, Hammy. <laughs> hey,
1: Lulu. Hammy? Hammy? Yeah, uh, Hamish? Yeah. yeah don't know. <laughs> Lulu is a Scottish pop star, you see? Yeah, and she used to want to shout.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's the... These are, these are the jokes folks that's it that's all we've got we got two letters should we dive yeah. into ours should we have a look at ours i
1: think we are better yeah yeah
0: let's see what we've got lly-di-dee-do-do-dlee-dee. Uh, we got this letter from Badzi who says dear sonic the comic the podcast as a personal artist who has taken an interest in learning about sonic the comic i really appreciate the podcast as it gives me something to listen to while i'm doing the absurd task of completing the Pokedex in a Pokemon ROM hack. (laughs) (laughs) And since as of when this letter is sent, the latest issue is number 43, I have a bit of interesting trivia to share regarding the Death Egg, which is about to become incredibly relevant once again. Oh, okay. There is a Japanese advertisement for Sonic the Hedgehog 1 that has the Death Egg in it. Here is a YouTube link to the advertisement. Also of interest is that it has a desert-ish area which seems to match the unused Dust Hill Zone idea from Sonic 2 and Sonic hanging from a clock hand while being attacked by a bannock which, with the recently uncovered Sonic 1 prototype, we have confirmation that the Scrap Brain Zone was originally called
1: the Clockwork Zone. See, I don't pay attention any of this old shit. so this is news to me
0: <laughs> no i mentioned that the, we did know about the death egg thing because i mentioned it in a very very early maybe the first time the death egg came up which is like issue six something like that six
1: yeah so i don't remember at this point yeah
0: yeah no it is it's really interesting it's a fully animated advert and it has yeah it just has a, it just fully has the death egg at the end like there's no ifs ands or buts about it Sonic is riding in a little space rocket and he rides towards the Death Egg. It's a slightly different design from the final one, but only in the specifics and particulars. It's still got the two... It's a Death Star with two big discs and a moustache coming out of it. And he blows it up. So that would have, at the time, just been like, yeah, you know, Star Wars, I get that. that's cool, so we'll put it in the advert, probably, but it's in there. I didn't know. I'd long since
1: forgotten that, so that is interesting. Fair Thank and you, square. Badsy, for cluing us in. And it's always nice to know that we haven't alienated every Archist uh, listener. Exactly. We got this from Alistair Pitt, who says, hello again, Chris and Dave. I was going to say, I thought I remembered Alistair. Yeah, again. I was
0: listening to your most recent episode. <laughs> well, whenever at time oh. of writing. Uh, this was back in January.
1: Oh, well, that's not so long
0: ago. Not so long ago. In which you recapped the report on the Sega channel in the News Zone. Yes. I think the News Zone in general has turned out to be a bit of a hidden gem of the show for me. Yeah, me
1: too. <laughs> yeah, us too, yeah. yeah. I think it's my favourite bit. Sad to say, just, just realising this just now as it's leaving us. It's isn't it? Yeah, because they are a
0: fascinating window into what feels to me like the Dustiest backrooms of gaming history. Mm-hmm. In the same episode, Dave mentioned the weird perceived lifespan of the Mega Drive, and I wanted to chime in and agree that I distinctly remember Mega Drive games still being front and centre in game outlets. Does game still exist? Yes, game does still exist. Does it? I mean, I haven't been out in a year. Yes,
1: yes, 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 Game still exists. Well, It
0: it existed last time I was in a town, put it that way.
1: I don't think the pandemic has done for it. No.
0: (laughs) Alongside PS1 and N64 games as late as 1997 when I was little. And even though I remember prominent Sonic R displays in the Virgin Megastore, remember those? Yes, I do. Ooh, I miss Virgin Megastore. It sometimes seems like we skipped over the Saturn, because my recollection is that we went directly from the Mega Drive to the Dreamcast. I don't think I ever knew anyone who had a Saturn. No, I didn't. Never. I didn't. I, re- I have one Sega Saturn in the wild memory, and it is going into a branch of... I think it was still Electronics Boutique. It became Game. Or what was the one called something Zone?
1: Game Zone.
0: Game Zone or Mega Zone. I Might have been know. Mega Zone. Anyway, but whatever. News News <laughs> Anyway, those that, that. I went into that shop in Nottingham, and they had a big Sega Saturn display. The boxes were all up in a pyramid. So it must have been launch week or something. And that's it. I have no other memory of any Sega Saturn stuff ever being in a shop
1: until years and years on when Mm. I found mine. No, I had not thought about it before right Mm. now, but... Yeah, hard to see them. Mm. I didn't know anybody who owned a Saturn. I don't have any memories of the Saturn. I don't
0: think I ever knew anyone who had a Saturn, and I wonder sometimes if Sega would still be manufacturing consoles today if the Saturn hadn't tanked as badly as it did. Uh, That's probably the simple truth of it, yeah, if the Saturn had done well. Although I think it did do well in Japan, so it must have been the Dreamcast. But like, I know way more people who had Dreamcasts than I know who had Saturns. So I don't, that's just anecdotal, but I've seen more Dreamcasts in my life than I have Saturns. I don't know what the problem there was. I don't know why the Dreamcast no. failed. It was really good. And it wasn't like, it didn't feel as if it was having its ass massively kicked at the time. Like, yeah, PlayStation won that generation, but like, doesn't mean you end the whole company. I,
1: I, yeah, I don't know what quite happened. Well, but... no, PlayStation won the Saturn generation. PlayStation 2 was the Dreamcast.
0: Oh, I mean, I was referring to that as just PlayStation. Yes. Yeah, so but it's... even
1: that feels kind of ridiculous in your mind, doesn't it? Uh, well, in mine, it does. Well, the PS2 was so ubiquitous. Like, yeah. so, well, well, this is a Sega podcast, like. The PlayStation deservedly, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. won that generation, and the PlayStation 2 was such an absolutely ubiquitous bit of kit. Like, yeah, oh yeah, the idea that it was concurrent with the Dreamcast, yeah. it, even that sounds weird to me. You know, when I remember the games I played on on the PS2. Yeah versus the Dream Dreamcast, like Sonic Adventure or whatever. Yeah. Sonic Adventure feels like it was from an entire generation before well, some of the stuff we were playing on PlayStation That's 2. because
0: I'm pretty sure it was at least... I, I think PlayStation 2 came out at least one year later than Dreamcast, if not 2. Because, no, because I wasn't living at home anymore when, P- when PS2 came out, and I was when I got my Dreamcast.
1: Ah, well, there you go then.
0: And now I got my Dreamcast, you know, within a year of moving out to university. So, but it... Yeah, I think there was a gap there. And I just remember, I hated the playstation 2 i was <laughs> so anti-playstation 2 because it was the thing that was coming in to get rid of the dreamcast and it did yeah yeah not, not because of any bad nope. gaming experience with it just because you were such a staunch sega head yep i had no gaming experience i never i didn't play on it. i've still never played on one and it was we've got one my brother's got one but i've just happened you know we got it after i would moved out i just never played yeah. one. but um the ps2 what i do remember is that when it came out Something was wrong with it. Like it was like it used to do the equivalent of the Xbox 360 the red, red ring. ring. Yeah. That it was wrong in some way and it was like there. See, we told you it's rubbish. And then to watch the Dreamcast a beautiful fish from the future just gradually yeah. die. <laughs> a piece of Atlantean technology. Nobody cared about it because this horrible looking Uh, old Atari VHS nonsense slab that keeps breaking was the popular one instead for some reason? Oh, you can turn the little logo around. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I was very salty about the PS2. I've got a PS3. I was immediately, I didn't care anymore after that, but yeah. Yeah, and it's just because Sega died and it was just I just wish it hadn't. There is a PS on the end of this one. PS, I want to register my sympathy with Dave. Well, you're more than welcome to. What What for? Regarding cover art in relation to his Witcher novel woes. Oh, apparently I said that on the uh, podcast, did I? Okay. I am one of the saddos that Megadroid used to warn boomers about in the control zone. <laughs> because I, I once went out and actually bought a pack of fancy gloss paper and wasted all my printer ink... Oh, I like this. Fashioning my own DVD slip covers to get my Gundam DVDs to line up nicely on my shelf.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, yes.
1: I have designed and printed my own DVD covers too. Have you? For many things in the past, and I didn't even use glossy paper, so we're all in this I together. I have
0: <laughs> always wanted to, and I never did. I had this phase where people were making amazing alternate slipcover cover. Art for, like, Star Wars and things like this. And I was like, imagine getting all my DVDs replaced with, like, home printed. And I didn't imagine slipcases for boxes. I imagined, like, a fully cardboard thing with a little pocket that you put the disc in. And it's, like, a nice slim thing so you can fit more of them on the shelf, see? and How do you find it with a spine? Well, I don't know. Frankly, I didn't. I didn't. You're not thinking.
1: You're not thinking. What kind of graphic designer are you, boy?
0: Well, exactly. I'm not one. Quite (laughs) graphic design (laughs) is my passion, but apparently it (laughs) doesn't take you everywhere. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I wish it did. I should have done it. I should do it now. Except we're past physical media now. I was going to say what for? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, and finally, this is Thomas Pateman with a little comment about an issue that came out quite a long time ago hey guys only just getting into your podcast now despite being a huge sonic and stc fan and you excellent. can thank excellent and you can thank luke owen of wrestle talk for the recommendation now i know luke owen as being from the games master podcast under consultation which i've been on
1: i recognize the name a good podcast
0: and yes he's one of my, he's a friend of the podcast so being many dozens of episodes behind i don't know if you get an answer but on the query you raise in episode ten, on whether or not Bruce Dickinson is really due to leave Iron Maiden,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember
0: <laughs> at all. But please, go I remember up. it being a good episode, and I remember what this is referring to. There was a photo of him holding a a,
1: a game gear. That's right. And he said yeah. he's about
0: to leave, and we we were like, "Is that real or is it a joke?" It, yes,
1: yes, he was as if he was trying to sell the game gear, wasn't yeah. it? And we were like, he was practicing for a new job, yes, as if he was trying to leave the. Yeah, and the caption said that.
0: It said, like, he's practicing to go down the market. Well, Bruce left the band to pursue a solo career in 1993, and Maiden replaced him with Blaze Bailey. Unfortunately, this led to two of their most underwhelming albums to date in The X Factor. And Virtual X, but Bruce returned to the band in '99 for their fantastic comeback album, Brave New World. This is maybe a bit more information about Iron Maiden than I needed, but <laughs> maybe they'll reference it in the 1999. Maybe the band is still touring to this day and haven't had a bad album. Sin. with bruce in it is that is, it, is bruce the linchpin is bruce why iron maiden must good? be hope that helps <laughs> of course if someone's replied already just ignore all that entirely keep up the good you know work, nobody Tom.
1: did bother so it's good to know <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's one more email before we close out that i just want to bring to your attention chris mm-hmm. and this is from chartable because sonic the comic the podcast is charting on apple podcasts Mm. it's a cause for celebration let's open the email let's find out what it is congratulations sonic the comic the podcast is now ranked number 40 on the apple podcasts arts chart in lebanon
1: okay well hey (laughs) Why <laughs> Lebanon? Well, why have we got there before we've got to the UK? Art charts. I well, thanks to all our listeners
0: in Lebanon. I mean, hey, hi everyone from Lebanon. Write in. Tell us who you are. Tell us why you listen.
1: Um. Oh no, we did, didn't we? We charted like when we started. Yeah, back at the very start, we yeah. were like what twenty nine or something. Something like we? that. We, the very first issue dropped very high on the UK. We, art. we beat, beat the, the Guardian. Guardian. That's right, the Guardian. <laughs> <Arts show>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So there you go.
1: Well, whether you're from Lebanon or wherever you're from, if you want to send us a letter, uh, you can do so at stctpodcast at gmail.com. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another issue and paves the way for, well, Dave. I say, I say, I say, Mr. Mm. Bomer, what's 50 Mm. and covered in tattoos? Is it
0: STC's next
1: issue? It is! And you know what it's got? What's it got? It's got free gifts. What? free gifts yep they're uh gas gold gold g- and g- silver mm, yeah mm, okay yeah, mm. Jeez, yeah. somebody let, mm, yeah
0: not even a little asterisk yeah. that's why rich pe- that i've never figured this out before that's why rich people go around going i've got gas all the time they mean gold and silver it
1: makes sense now all right Anyway, <laughs> next issue. yeah, we So we get a little illustration. I think maybe some of the images we see here, there's a computer-generated 50 on top of a red and white checkerboard. Yes. And I think some of the images we see here were maybe uh, used for the tattoos. Yeah, I think certainly the gliding knuckles was. Yeah. The Amy was. Maybe the Sonic too. But these are full-color clip art images yeah. anyway. And the, uh, the tattoos, as they say, the tattoos are gold and silver. And we'll be seeing them next issue. Along with Sonic Metallics Mayhem. Shinobi combats the elements. Teal's thermal warming. And Captain Plunder slings his hook.
0: Oh, so it's the last uh, episode of Captain. I guess it
1: must be the last one. Good, good.
0: Correct for them to say slings his hook then. That is a good joke.
1: Sonic and Knuckles... Q&A special, or is it? Oh, we're looking forward to a bit. Oh, See so what anybody has to ask about. STC 50, a 24-carat issue. Spelt I think wrong. they've misspelled uh, carrot, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs>
0: C-A-R-A-T is correct. This is E-T. Yeah. No. Oh, well.
1: Yes. On sale Saturday the 15th of April, 1995. 95. 1.15. Man, though, mm. 50 issues. Yeah, 50 that's yeah that's a bit we talked what well, we did we talked about this last issue already but the realization is coming on even harder it's actually now, we've done we're gonna have done 50 episodes of this plus bonus stuff
0: 50 issues 50 episodes like that's all uh, people listening to us if you've listened to every minute of every episode up to
1: now that's a lot thank you well done <laughs> and if you're hungry for more you'll find the 50th issue spectacular with a special guest anywhere good podcasts are available plus you can download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com
0: yeah and you can follow it on twitter it's got its own twitter account at sonic podcast that's where we announce when we put up the patreon stuff when we put up episodes and you can follow us separately i'm at demon tomato dave and i am at chris mcfeely and you can find us
1: both on youtube as well doing our own stuff over there
0: you can support this show and we'd love it if you did and we will give you presents if you do it's patreon.com forward slash stctp and you will find some exclusive content on there where me and chris do video episodes not of issues we don't we never put that behind a paywall we never will never 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 but what we have been covering is two examples of sonic storytelling one the martin adams novels that came out concurrent with the first couple of years of STC to the epic how shall I describe it the epic epic they're doing an awful lot of evolved heavy lifting nonsensey balls that is my fanfic the end of Mobius written by child me at the very time these specific issues of STC were coming out as the diary attests again when I was 15 and this time trying to impress children on the internet like me it is up itself and we've got to the point where the OCs are starting to take
1: over it the narrative. It went off. I don't know, guys, if you've been keeping up with this, but if you haven't, you should get caught up because this mother went off a cliff in the last episode we ever recorded. Omni the Echidna just came into the story and my will to live just exited. Oh, good God. <laughs>
0: So, you can come and catch up with all of that over at patreon.com forward slash stctp. We have an editor that we pay with the proceeds from that called Sam. You'll find him at samgabrielvo.com. He's got all sorts of interesting things where he
1: reads out fanfics as well. Better ones, I'll bet. (laughs) Our opening theme tune was synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band, who you can hear more from at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com.
0: And the Sonic Says music was recreated by friend of the show, Brandon Spanky
1: Mills. But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we'll see you next, next time! time.